All right, so uh-huh. it's six oh five. Yeah, six oh five. And um, Chair Commissioner Chevry calling meeting to order for the December seventeenth, twenty twenty, Medford Housing Authority Board of Commissioners meeting. So we'll take a roll call, please. Commissioner Chevry. Present. Commissioner Jan Present. Commissioner Lewis. Present. Commissioner Luongo. Present. Commissioner Young. Present. Thank you. Thank you. So now we'll recite the Pledge of Allegiance. Before you do no, that, Madam, if you would just declare Sorry? that um, the, the meeting is being held virtually and that the individuals present um, are being uh, are present virtually. Right. I was going to do that at the board business section. We have to do that now. You're supposed to do it at the beginning of the meeting. Oh, okay. So just want to acknowledge that in accordance with Governor Baker's open meeting laws based on the adjustments from COVID-19 as of March 2020, this meeting is being held virtually by Zoom. Well, no, sorry, by conference call. And so we acknowledge that all of our commissioners are present and any of those who still wish to make public comment are also available to do so via this virtual platform. Thank you. And reminding everyone that all these recordings will be posted on our website as well for future reference for those who may want to participate that way. Thank you. Okay, so now we will please rise and recite the Pledge of Allegiance. To the flag of the United States of America and to to the Republic for which she stands, stands one nation, nation, under God, and people, to the liberty Thank you. Moving on to item number three, approval of minutes. We have regular session on October 22nd, 2020. And I will make a motion to take these together if you'd like, and otherwise we can vote on them individually. So we have our October 22nd, 2020 regular session minutes, as well as our November 19th, 2020 minutes. Uh, if anyone will entertain a motion to discuss because and approve them together, Madam, I'll take that. Madam Chairman, Mike Luongo, uh, I wasn't there on October 22nd, so I'll, uh, I was absent at that meeting. Okay, so let's take them separately then. Any comments? I'll make a motion. October 22nd? I'll make a motion to accept yeah, October 22nd if there's no questions or any comments. Commissioner James here. Do I have a Commissioner Lewis, all second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Roll call. Let's take a roll call. Okay. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Uh, I wasn't there, so I'm going to vote present on that. Commissioner Young. He's here. Yes. So four yes and one present slash abstention. So 
we'll approve those minutes. And so now we'll move on to the next one. So approval of minutes of regular session held on November 19, 2020. If we don't have any questions or concerns, I'll take a motion. Around any questions, Madam Chairman? I'll second it, Commissioner Janvier. Thank you. So, roll call vote. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Janvier. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now we're going to move on to board item agenda number four, board business. So Mike, Commissioner Luongo will be leading us in a discussion um, about the NAROS, the Handbook for Commissioner, Chapter 3. So I'll turn that over to you. Oh, Madam that, that uh, chapter is quite lengthy, so uh, I'm just going to take out certain things that I uh, brought, brought to my attention. Uh, one of them was redevelopment agencies. Uh, that's on page 26. Uh, the agencies are responsible for authority primarily related to community development rather than housing assistance, although they sometimes administer housing assistance as well. In some states, such as Virginia, the redevelopment housing, the redevelopment and housing agencies are combined. Now we have the same thing in Malden. The housing authority in Malden and the redevelopment are combined. I just thought let, let, let people know that, that uh, you know it's, it's sort of unusual, but it does happen. And that caught my eye when I seen that Virginia, and I I know Malden uh, uh, does the same thing. The Malden Housing Authority. Uh, mm -hmm. And on page 28, uh, rents are limited, as we all know, to public housing uh, to 30% of the household income after certain adjustments. I guess we're all aware of that. And uh, rents are limited to public housing to 30% household income after certain adjustments. That's on page 28. Uh, I'm going to go over to uh, Page 29, residence opportunity, self-sufficiency. Uh, I'm going down to uh, this program is authorized in, authorized in Section 34 of the United States Housing Act, funding it appropriate annually. Now, if anybody wants to speak, you know, just uh, go right ahead. Hey, we I'm sorry? I'm going to ask everyone to mute themselves. I think that um, Mr. Young, Commissioner Young, I think your um, phone is open line there. If you wouldn't mind muting yourself, please. Okay, I put it on speakerphone. I'll, sh I'll shut it off. Hello, can you hear me okay now? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I can. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, I get it. Home did now. You want me to keep going, Madam Chairman? Yes. Is it warm enough for you? I'm sorry. I'm going to phone is Yes, on, go ahead. You have the floor. Okay. On page 30, Section 3, Resident Opportunity Program. Uh, Section 3 of the Housing Urban Development Act of 68, 1968, requires that public housing agencies afford certain employment opportunities to residents of the public housing and low and very low income. I know we do that. I don't know whether everybody realizes that or not. Uh, then they have the voucher. This is on page 30. 
the vouchers that we uh, we're sort of familiar with, Section Eight and the vouchers, uh, the home ownership. That's uh, a different story. I didn't really spend too much time with that one. Uh, Section Eight project-based rental assistance under the program. Owners of multifamily housing enter into housing assistance payment contracts with HUD to receive a project-based Section 8 assistance and in turn agree to serve low-income families and operate the properties according to minimum standards. Some public housing agencies operate properties receive assistance, which is not a voucher assistance under this program. I just have a question, and this will go to Jess, myself. On uh, on the on the rental, in other words, when someone rents an apartment to a Section Eight or a voucher, the the dollar figure, whatever it may be, uh, can the landlord ask for more money? And if he does, is it is it permissible? I don't think it is, but you could probably give me a direct give us a direct answer on that. Yes, the landlord can ask for an increase in rent. Um, it has to be uh, justifiable if, if they're in the program. Um, in the beginning, um, there's a fair market rent that's set, Michael, and um, they can't exceed that amount. Right, on, so unless, no, go ahead, sir. Oh, that's all right. Go ahead. You go. They can't exceed that amount, and then um, it, it, they can request an increase um, as as the years go by. As the years go by, but once the... When a contract is signed with with a, a an owner, and let's say the the Section Eight person, uh, let's let's say it's six hundred dollars. Now, the landlord is supposed to accept the six hundred, and there shouldn't be anything added to that. Am I right? Exactly. Yes. Nothing can be added to that okay, based upon right. the amount that, that was executed initially by the housing authority. Okay. Right, approved uh, by the authority. Yep, exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. I. This is. It's a quite. It's quite lengthy. This uh, chapter three. I don't know why I picked this one, but uh, listen, I'll let it go. Let every uh, you people can look it over yourself, and I'm gonna sort of. Uh, well, one more thing. Let me say key point thirty-nine, page thirty-nine. The public housing program consists of approximately one million. 50 units that are owned by local housing agencies and by the federal government through HUD. That's on page 39. Then we do have some state funding, might very little. Was that, what was it, Chapter 707? Uh, we have we have a, a number of 707 vouchers, Michael, similar to Section 8. Um, but there's only maybe, I think, 13 or 15 of those. Uh, right. But we have 120. Or units at Walkling Court, which are state public housing. Okay. But the, the, rest, the, rest the seven, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The, the rest of federal uh, federal units. If a person has a person has a 707, and now it, they they give it up, it's gone, right? You can't. It doesn't. You can't pass that on. Am I right? Yes, we can pass that on to someone else. You can. Oh, I see. It's but then like we a, have. It's just like a Section 8 voucher. Once someone gives up their vouchers, then we reissue that to someone else. Well, I, I thought the state did away with that a few years back, the 707, didn't they? No. Well, they did away, they, they did away with the name 707, but it's a Massachusetts rental voucher. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I knew, I knew there was something yep. about that. 
remember. Yep, yep, you're right. It, they call it an MRVP now. Yeah. They changed the name, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, because I remember that was uh, Tom Fennerman was speaker at the time when he put that through. Listen, I'm, I'm yep. going to pass on the rest of it. I know that we have a pretty good size agenda here, and uh, so listen, uh, I'm, I'm done. So if anybody has any questions, they have an an the answers are right in the book alone. So uh, and, uh, comments, right? So anyone else have um, thoughts about chapter three? You're right, Michael. In the fact that it's a dense chapter, like each of the pieces of information in there could have been a chapter on their own. <laughs> um, but what I, you know, so I'll open the floor for others if they have comments or pieces of information that they want to throw on the table as what stuck out for them. Madam Chairman, if I may, I'm going to go, uh, I'm looking at uh, page 24. Mm -hmm. The whole commissioner is accountable for ensuring that the local agency is living up to its obligation to provide decent, safe, and, and sanitary low-income housing and to protect against fraud, waste, abuse, as well as discrimination. That's, I think, in Chapter 2, but I just happen to see it. Uh, I just thought I'd like to throw that out. I'm sure we, we do the right thing. I hope we do anyways. So I'll pass on to you, Madam Chairman, and let's move on. It's okay with you. Sure, if no other commissioners have thoughts about Chapter 3 that they want to put on the table. So I, I open no. the floor now. To <laughs> Getting some interference there. I think that's my phone. It's squeaky. I, my gee, I'm gonna move it. Sorry about that again. It keeps happening. So there's um one thing that I I thought about because I don't know. So I guess this could be a question for you, Jeff. I don't know much about if we actually even engage in this. Is a moving to work demonstration programs, because as we think about um, what you were saying, Commissioner Longo, about making sure that there are employment opportunities and opportunities for residents to make a better life for themselves and whatever that whatever that means for them, um, we have our FSS program that we have some information about in our packet for tonight tonight's meeting. Um, but the moving to work program seems really interesting and more holistic. So it's not um, just like a one a la carte offering. So I, I was curious to find out if this is something that the Housing Authority has participated in before or is currently participating in or could participate in. Okay. I don't know. Um, it hasn't participated in, in the past. Um, it currently doesn't, um, but it certainly is something that I think the housing authority should consider going forward. Uh, the, um, the program actually started out a number of years ago, and um, there aren't too many authorities that I'm aware of in uh, Massachusetts that do participate in it. There are some, and um, HUD has um, just begun an effort to extend the moving to work um, program to uh, additional housing authorities. It was capped at one point, and um, it's my understanding that they've done that. And I know that from my discussions in um, with the trustees at FADA, one of the uh, recommendations 
based upon the fact that HUD has issued uh, a good number of waivers of some of their requirements since the uh, pandemic struck is to waive the requirement that um, there was a restriction on the number of MTW agencies. Um, if that's the case, then the, the fungibility and the accessibility to other programs that um, the MTW provides, um, any housing authority would be able to participate in that. So that's something that's being discussed at this point. Um, I don't know that HUD is, is at this point, um, Georgiana, I don't know if HUD is still in the process of expanding the, uh, the numbers. They very well may be. I know they were when the pandemic started, um, but um, I'm not aware. I haven't seen anything on MTW recently. When I say recently, maybe in the last five or six months. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's certainly it's certainly something that we would think about, uh, in particular, um, in conjunction with uh, what we're looking to do at uh, Walkling Court. It might be of assistance to us there mm -hmm. with the the, the the repositioning of Walkling Court. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You, Michael. If there are no other questions or comments. I mean, again, as always, we can revisit any content in these chapters, even if we're talking about a particular chapter in a meeting, just because we want to make sure we hit each of the content-rich chapters this year. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't cycle back to these things. So as we have other conversations, maybe other parts might be more valuable to dive into a little deeper because we're talking about them related to different projects and work that, the, that we're doing here. So thank you, Michael, for picking out those different points for us to think about and keep in mind. Okay, Madam. So Jones. I will take a motion to close this discussion. So Michael. Go ahead. Someone make a motion. I think it was uh, Commissioner. Yeah. I say. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And then seconded yeah. by Commissioner Jambier. So roll call vote, please. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Jandia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So moving on to board business item B, property managers, maintenance, and tenant fees. I'm actually going to turn that over to um, Losa because this is something that she brought up to my attention. So if you want to give some context, then we can have a discussion. That'd be great. Uh, yes. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, it's just I, um, knowing that some of the uh, tenants, most of the tenants know for years now that I've been a commissioner um, and I'm a tenant rep on the board. And sometimes um, when they see me, they'll, you know, bring some stuff to my attention that, they're dealing with one of them was the fact that um me as a tenant i don't remember receiving any uh, new documents or letters stating you know of all the uh the the way that the the housing authority metro housing authority is actually you know um billing for maintenance because i from what i you know from what i understand just like it uh, some of the tenants are being billed and for things that could be um, as 
normal routine maintenance routine maintenance for the um uh, uh for the unit um and there's no details of what the work that when when they get the bill there's no details of what um explaining what they're being billed for like say for instance like if you have if you take your car to a mechanic or somebody comes to your house and they'll give you an whatever without telling you what was the issue and what they fixed and what they found so when they're getting those bills and they feel frustrated that and some of those things that they feel like you know they shouldn't be built for because some of them are routine maintenance so i just wanted to um put that to to the board because i don't remember if we had voted in the past on any um you know our new fees how the tenants was going to be billed and and things like that so i just wanted to board, to bring that up um to the board attention thank you Lisa. welcome can i respond sure okay Lisa, thank you for bringing that up that was actually part of my um my director's report today um, the housing authority has in the past um, has built residents for work not consistently but they have um, the problem is that they've never gone out and attempted to collect it and when I was the general counsel for the housing authority I had advised the housing authority years ago to um, to build that and to try to collect it. I would go into court with someone who was willing to pay the rent that was owed, and we would enter into an agreement, and I would enter into the agreement, and then I would find out later on that the way the bookkeeping was at that point in time, that they not only owed $500 for rent, but they owed $1,000 for charges. And I had recommended to the housing authority that they bring that up to date. Um, the the accounting and Tom and Teresa have have worked on this. Um, the accounting now has transferred from a charges account to an account. So on someone's uh, ledger, it shows not only the um, the amount of rent it's owed, not only the unreported rent that is owed, but also the charges that are owed. And so those are all reportable. And, and this is something that goes back many years ago, um, the way the system was set up. Um, the proper accounting is the way that we're doing it now. Um, Losa, to your concern, uh, is the same concern that I have. Um, we are massaging, if you may, I hate to use that word, but that's the word I'm gonna use, the, uh, the process. And that we have um, made it clear uh, as late as last week in a meeting that I had with the staffs that are involved, and this is maintenance, and this is finance, and this is management, that we don't charge people for routine expenses. Um, we charge folks for damage that's done. If uh, someone has to go in and repair a stove because someone has an inch and a half of grease on it, which happens, um, that person's going to get charged. Um, if we have to go in because one of the burnets isn't working, 
um, and it's through no fault of the resident, and that person is not going to get charged. The difference between routine and and that which is uh, uh, resident caused damages. And I hesitate to use the word routine because if it were an emergent situation and it had nothing to do with the resident, um, the housing authority would be responsible for that. Um, so uh, one of the issues, Losi, you brought up was an issue that I brought up last week um, at our meeting, and that is that we're using the handhelds now. Uh, the maintenance personnel, every one of them has a handheld so that we're not using paper documents anymore, and they use handheld. It, it, is, um, it assigns and it directs, and they enter into that um, what has been, um, what's been undertaken. Um, what they're doing now, Loser, and I forget, the, I forget the phrase that's used, but they have a second section that they're now beginning to use, which identifies everything that's been done, so that when the, uh, the resident um, gets, gets an invoice, um, they should be getting a copy of the entire work order, um, which includes the second part of it, which says that uh, a maintenance person did A, B, C, and D. And I think that'll that'll allay what your concern is. And the concern that I had was that um, when we started going forward with this, was that the residents only be charged what the housing authority cost is, so that they're not charged a, a going rate, if you may, um, for a refrigerator that you would buy over at um, at Home Depot, um, or for an expense that they would otherwise incur if they walked into a store. Um, whatever costs the housing authority is what we charge the um, the resident. So we're still working on that. We're working out some kinks. All the residents um, are informed when it's sent out that they have a right to deal with their manager, and we have gotten calls, and the managers have intervened. Um, and we're hopeful that in the very, very near future, um, could be days, if not within a week or so, that we iron out the kinks. Yeah, um, Madam Chairman, to you. Um, yes, Jeff, it's, it's a good point that what we want to, you know, me, like I said, I'm also a tenant here. So if I have um, maintenance come to do a work with something, if it's, um, if I get a bill, I would like to know that it just doesn't say that, you know, six stove or stove. I need the details, like say, if it's, if it's a tenant issue, if it has accumulated grease, it needs to state that, that, you know, tenants, you know, um, didn't clean and therefore clogs, um, you know, whatever it is. You, you see what I'm saying? Just like it needs to be deep, not just say six stove or a pool on, on clock sink. Uh, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% on that, Loser. And that's what, after my meeting, that's what they went out and did and found they investigated further in the the handheld work order system and so that that's what they've been doing um going forward so i agree with you mm -hmm. i agree with you 100 and related to that jeff um since i like that you're saying that um residents would be charged what the housing authority would be charged they're not going to be charged a going rate for repairs and so related to what I'm hearing Lewis is also bringing up is what's the communication to residents about this new approach, you know, in terms of massaging, working through the kinks, but more importantly, has the going rate for 
maybe the highest request, you know, unclogged toilets or any kind of unclogging of drains or, I don't know, there's like a list of 20 kind of frequent requests that maintenance is getting. Is there a way to send a schedule of fees for us as a board to see what that is and then also to communicate to the tenants so tenants know in advance? You know, should, sure, we, should there be a problem? We can send that out to you. That's not a problem. Um, the the yeah, I don't have a problem with that. We we do have a schedule. Maintenance came up with a schedule of 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 costs. I can provide that to the board for the next meeting. That's not a problem. And is that something that's also available for residents to have? We can certainly um, we can post it. Um, we can send it out to them. We can give it to them. Uh, however. Um, we can be most effective in doing that. Losa, what would your suggestion be? It would be for the residents um, to know, you know, what the bills, you know, what future, you know, uh, responsibility that they will be getting, like, say, for them to receive something in, in hard copy to say, hey, as of, you know, this is something that's been going on, but we haven't been really um, going, you know, how should I word it? Um, enforcing this, and then right now we are actually, you know, enforcing that if made, if the tenants have damages done that they done to the unit, that is, you know, that they could prevent it. This is how much you will be charged when you get a call, you know, and okay. at least they know they have that and 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 so and 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 to your to just bring that up too. So when you get an information, it's not fair to the manage management as well because when the tenants come, they get these things, and it's frustration is between you know they. I know management is the one that's sending those um those in bills to the to the tenants, and now tenants is getting frustrated towards management because they feel like it's they're not getting the proper detailed information why you know there's, there's there's lack of communication and and it falls now the management is between the te the tenants and mason because things not being you know clear and it, it's just like i feel for management at the same time i feel for the tenants that's not getting you know the information so from now on if they could get like they moving forward they'll have that so they'll be clear on what they will be charged in the future if they damage any done any damage to um to the property or they're not keeping upkeeping with the um regular uh, things on their part. We can do that. I have no problem with that. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions or comments on this item? <clears throat> Madam Chairman, if I may, uh, let's take a, a refrigerator. Let's say something goes wrong with the refrigerator. It needs some minor repair. Uh, is a tenant charge for that, uh, Jeff? No, not if it's not tenant-caused damage. If, if, it's a gasket, if it's a gasket, for example, that that wears away, um, it's that's not tenant-caused damage, then they wouldn't get charged for that. We would go in and do that work anyway. If if there's a um, there's a leak through no fault of the resident, and the resident has reported that to us in a timely manner, um, there's um, there's no um, charge to that. Um, if there's a leak 
and the resident has failed to report it and the um, leak in the second floor bedroom um, the floor in the bedroom is now warped and the ceiling in the living room is coming down um, and it was a relatively minor leak then that would be something that the individual would be charged for if it was a flood and it was a flood that was caused uh, that caused that damage um, then um, more than likely that individual if they didn't cause the flood they wouldn't be charged for it so are they are they aware of uh, the tenants aware of uh, uh, the fact like just what you said that uh, if something goes wrong with the refrigerator to no fault of theirs uh, they're aware they, they won't have to pay for the repair is that correct Yes, in the in the lease, Michael, it indicates that they need it, they need to put us on notice that yeah, okay. um, um, there, it, 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 there's anything wrong with the unit. But right. what's happened in the past is they put us. We'll, we'll discover that, um, or that they'll call and we'll go out there and they'll be assessed. They were being sent bills, um, but there was never any follow up on that. Now we have a follow up, and just to address something that that Losa said. The managers are involved in the process. The managers are involved in the back-end process to deal with the residents to, ad to address any concerns that they may have. Um, otherwise, it is uh, from maintenance. It comes from the maintenance individual who's out on the site. And, and LOS is, uh, again, LOS is correct insofar as it needs to be more detail, and there should be more detail um, already um, going forth. But... Um, then that goes into, uh, once that comes back, that goes into uh, finance, it's processed out, and there's, a, there's an invoice um, that is, uh, uh, is sent out, and they're sent out two invoices. They're sent out one, one month, one a month later. Um, according to the lease, we have to uh, provide them with a certain amount of notice for them to be able to pay that, and then if they don't pay that, then it's referred to the, um, the manager. Um, for them to reach out to the resident to come up with either a payment plan or to make the payment. Um, if the resident gets the invoice and then questions it, they have a period of time where they can question that and um, deal with the managers on that. So that's where we're at right now. And this is, uh, we're talking about thousands of dollars that the housing authority um, did not collect. Um, but I don't care about the thousands of dollars. What I care about is that the residents understand that they have to be responsible for their their apartment and um, not create any damage. And that's really what we're trying to address. Uh, how often uh, how often do you find that maybe the tenant was at fault? I mean, is that is that unusual or is it not unusual that you know, in some cases, the tenant may be at fault. I mean, yeah, it varies. It varies. I can't say it's unusual, but I can't say it's usual either. Um, you know, we, we go in and, and let's look at it. Before the pandemic, we were doing 1,100 um, work orders a month. Um, those 1,100 were not all resident-caused damages. Um, if I couldn't tell you that 50 of them were. I don't know. I'd have to look at all the work orders. But even if it were 50, that's an awful lot. And I would anticipate, I would hope it wouldn't be that much. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you. Madam Chairman, may I say one more thing to you? 
is it Jeff, is it possible to kind of like um say for instance i know i do it but um do the tenants know like say for instance to keep up um with their drainage like to know it will cost them like maybe two dollars or three four dollars to buy a non um uh, um aggressive draino to do once once maybe every six months to kind of clear their because you know like say for instance if i if if i will get charged for if i have a backup in my tub and i wasn't you know I, i'm i'm not educated enough to know that i could have put draino in there because even if you get hair out but some there are hair that actually sneak through and over time it clogs you know it accumulates and clogged up so some tenants don't even know to do that and then they've been you know like they will be charged if they get um you know they that sink or the uh, tub unclogged and then they have hair so it, it's just like some at the same time there's kind of like a little bit of those that need a little bit of education to kind of be you know something out there to kind of maybe instead of so they could at least try to you know diminish the 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 cost that they will run over time but but losa we wouldn't charge uh, i'd be hard pressed to charge someone for their their tub backing up because of the hair that's going down the drain where we have issues is when Maintenance personnel go in to um, to snake a uh, a toilet, and they find that the children have flushed down their toys. Um, things such as that; um, those are things that we have an issue with. Um, we have a current problem at at um, Campone um, with folks putting things down the um, the toilet. Um, and when I when I say putting things down the toilet, we're talking about um, um, both children's and adults' diapers. Um, we had a blanket that someone put down there recently, and um, our pump station there has um, has been out um, almost on a monthly basis since the pandemic. Um, I, let's strike that a number of months during the pandemic, um, and we have to bring a company in because it gets it gets caught in the pump system in the impellers. And that is thousands of dollars every time we bring somebody, we bring them in. We don't know who that is. And so that there's no one getting charged. Um, what would happen is, though, that if it blocked someone's, someone's toilet and we went in and we, we opened it up and we found out that somebody was flushing diapers down there, um, yeah, we would charge them. We would charge them, but we'd only charge them for the maintenance call. We wouldn't charge them because it didn't get into the system. Uh, but we've sent notices out. Um, to the residents at that site. Um, so, I mean, that's where we need to differentiate. Losa, I, I don't think we would be looking to um, have Drano put down the uh, uh, the drain by the residents. I'm not, you know, I haven't required them to do that. Um, that might be something that we may want to look at uh, on a um, preventative basis going forward. Uh, when, the, when when we go in and do inspections, um, you know, maybe it's maybe something along those lines, but that wouldn't be a charge to the resident. That's a, to use your word earlier, that's a routine. Okay. Really, really well, I'm going to build off of uh, Lois' suggestion about the um, resident education. Like, are there other opportunities for educating residents about maintaining 
their home, right? Because presumably some of our tenants are going to move on, right? We have our FSS program. And if moving to work happens, we're going to have others who financially might age out of the program and or elect, you know, to move out of the program because they're able to purchase their own home or they want to go into the private market for renting an apartment. And so are there any ways that as we're trying to, you know, listening to the goal to improve collecting of these fees and decreasing the occurrence of fees, is there any way to continue improving the communication by way of education that would benefit, like mutually benefit the resident housing authority by way of maintenance is going to get fewer calls because residents feel more empowered and understanding, oh, you know, I can maybe be more mindful of the kinds of products I use for cutting grease off of my stove. Like maybe what I'm using isn't sufficient or being more mindful of are there things I could put in the bathroom like those toilet locks for my smaller kids so they don't accidentally just be play, play and put toilet, you know, toys down the toilet. Maybe they're not childproofing the toilet. Who knows? Um, but anything along those lines of education that might be of mutual benefit as we're trying to improve communication and the upkeep and of our properties. Yeah, we can do that. It, it's spelled out in the lease also, but, um, you know, we can do that. We can give them something. Any other questions or comments on this item? Okay, hearing none, I'll take a motion to close. I'll make the motion that we close the, on this uh, particular item, item uh, B. B, yep. And a second. I'll second that motion. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, a roll call? Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Right, Madam Chair, yeah. Chairperson, before you move, you go forward. Um, I had asked um, that um, the fee accountant, Teresa Ewall, um, come in at 6.30 um, to go yeah. over the, um, the finances. Uh, Tom is not available um, this evening, and she is also going to um, make a presentation concerning the um, the year-end financial statements. Um, I would request that the board take her out of order as I believe that um, she might be on the line at this point. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, so I'll take a motion. I'll make, I'll a, make motion a motion. To... That it, I'll take Teresa uh, to give a presentation. I'll second it. All in favor? Aye. Roll call. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Shanvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so thank you. So we're moving to financial resolution, item A, resolution number 2020-061. Request, is that what we're talking about, A and B? Um, we're on, um, the we financial are on page, yeah, we're in the financial section, page 32, and we're talking about um, items here, B and C. B and C, okay. So what about resolution A? 
Um, we can deal with that. We can deal with that separately. Okay. So we're taking financials out of order too. So we're starting with item B, which is agency-wide operating statement. So you have the floor, Teresa. Okay. So can everybody hear me? Okay. Yes. Thirty-two. Is that right, yes. Madam? Yes. That's okay. Correct. Thank you. Okay. But, okay. Good. Good evening, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I'm going to just take a few minutes, and I'm just going to give you a quick summary of our year end, um, 9-30-20. We've uh, completed all our filings that we have to do with the federal government and with the state. And, um, and so I'm just going to spend just a little bit of time and go over the financial statements. Um, to start at the end, we, um, we had a very good year. We actually, in total as an agency, the bottom line, we ended up putting almost a half a million dollars into our reserves this year. So, One um, sorry. Yeah. sorry to interrupt you, just to actually reference everyone, Barbara had emailed the financials as a separate email. So if you want to look at the numbers that Teresa is talking about, you have to um, reference the second set of information that Barbara emailed to us yesterday. Okay, just give me a second. Okay. I think that was one. I may have had a hard time opening that one. Uh, I'll try to find it though. That's three Barbara, pages. Is that, is that three Barbara, pages? That I, I don't Boy? believe so. I think it's. I think it's page thirty-three that we're talking about. Correct. Correct, Bob. Teresa is going Bob? through the operating budget. Correct. No, she's going through the the year-end financial statement, which is beginning on page thirty-three. Correct. This is not what was. This is not the secondary financial monthly financial statement that the Teresa is going to go through that also. But she's going through um, number thirty page thirty three right now is where it begins. So those other three pages, we're not acting on that right now. So what do we want? No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So the numbers actually, the numbers that the, the Statement begins on 33 with a letter from uh, from Teresa and her firm. The numbers actually begin on 34. Okay, thank you. 34. Okay, and and is everybody agency wide, right? Well, Teresa, we're no. on the page 33. 33, we see the department HUD quarterly statement of revenues and expenses. And I thought, Teresa, you were talking about our agency-wide numbers. I I am. I don't, I am. I don't, I'm not sure what that is. is that the federal form that is part of the budget? Teresa, this right. is the DHCD quarterly statement of revenue and expenses with the year ending 93020. Okay. So okay. that's just, I, what I was going to go over is the agency wide. That's just simply our state 4001 uh, year end financial statement that we've submitted to DHCD. And what has to happen is the board just has to accept those um, along with the top five uh, salary report. And these are just standard certifications that we have to put into DHCD. Correct. I understand that. So I just want to make sure that the, all of us, the commissioners, were on the same page with you because I understood you were going over the agency-wide operating budget 
which was emailed to us yeah, separately. So, what I was going to do, I can go over, Jeff, I can go over just the 4,001 statements if you guys want me to. I think it's um, over our agency-wide, so I just want to make sure everyone's on the same page. So, Okay, I'm not, earlier, it's not on page 34, is that correct? It's not, it's not on page 34. Barbara sent us a separate document that said financials. So right. that is the document we have to open up that says agency-wide operating statement at the top. Okay, yeah, I got them somewhere. And we'll all be on the same page with Teresa. Yeah. And what page is that number? Is it a number? It, it only has three, three, three pages. The, the, the email. Okay. Yeah. Those are the ones okay. we got on the email. Okay. Correct. I think I got. I think I got them. So there's three pages. Hey, you know, this is all kind of difficult trying to do all these different pieces virtually. <laughs> It's a little. Teresa, my, Teresa, my only question is that when you when you started out with the the five hundred dollar five hundred thousand dollar contribution to the reserves, um, yeah. it made me it made me it led me to believe that you were talking about the year end statement. I I am. That's, that's why. Yes, so I am talking. Have, what what am I? What right now about is the is the agency-wide operating statement um, from, uh, it's dated 12-14 from, from you. Okay. All right. Well, Go I ahead, got Teresa. it. I got you. Yeah. Is that what we should be looking at, the agency-wide operating we statement should, or something else? That's what we should be looking at. Teresa's absolutely correct. She's spot okay. on. So is everybody okay. now Bill? Okay, I got defined? it. Yep, I did. Uh, did you, Michael and Michael, did you find your copy? Losa, and you have your copy. The, the three pages that were sent to us, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep, I'm on it. Yes, I have it. Thank you. Hey, good. All right, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Now. <laughs> no, no, no problem whatsoever. No problem. Okay. So the the bottom line, like I said, was that through the whole agency, we put a, a, almost a half a million dollars back into our reserve. Um, we we had a very good year. Um, I think we got some things accomplished that we planned. We had a fairly aggressive um, we had a fairly aggressive to do list, and we got things done. Um, the one you know I I sort of want to segregate out like our Section Eight program. Um, you know, with our leasing up and everything, we you know we actually put one hundred and twenty thousand dollars into our reserves. Um, now, you know, on our federal programs, especially our, our AMP 1, which is our largest one, is the one that we have a lot of money in. And, you know, we've always been concerned and we're trying to spend those monies. So we did spend a couple hundred thousand dollars out of their reserves on that program. But um, the rest of our programs um, did, did very well. Um, even our state property, you know, which we have struggled with over the years, um, this year, I mean, some of it, um, we did get some extra money, um, on the state side and on the federal that had, that helped pay for our COVID, um, you know, our COVID-19 expenditures this year, of which we, um, we spent $270,000 through, through the end of September on COVID related expenditures. All of those costs were reimbursed either by the federal or the state government. So that's, that was, that was very, that was very good. 
So, um, you know, we, we lived within our budget. We did really well um, with everything, and we got a lot of accomplished. Um, even, you know, in our, in our maintenance area, you know, the grouping all together, we underran that. Um, we spent more in fee for service, but it's just, we just, it's a matter of choice whether we use contract help or we used our own employees. So, um, so all in all, you know, everything we were going through, um, you know, even, even the loss of some of our rental income because of people's, you know, on the federal side, but we actually got that reimbursed through the CARES Act money. So, um, so we ended up doing, you know, really very well. And, you know, going into our next year and in the new year budget, you know, 2021, we're going to be in really a good place, a very good financial condition, both on the state and federal properties. And, um, you know, and our central office and all that. So, some, you know, we're in a really good place as we want to move forward into trying and into taking on some of these new projects and, you know, redevelopment and all that kind of thing. You know, we're, we're in a good place to be able to do that. So I was, I'm going to be, um, our reserves, which is the page three, our reserves went from 8.6 million to um, $9 million. So we added to our reserves, like I said, and, you know, all of the programs are in good, are in good financial shape. And, you know, the ones that maybe were a little lower, like our state one and everything, well, we've improved that one as well. So, um, so we really, I don't, I don't have anything negative to say. Everything's positive and, you know, the, you know, they did a great job managing things this year and, um, you know, it just all went very well. And, you know, with the support of the CARES Act money, that was just even a plus, more of a plus in helping us operationally. So we did, we did really well. Um, does anybody have any specific questions or anything? or any particular line item you'd like to talk about? I do. I'm looking at the page three and just looking yeah. at some of the deficits in some of our accounts. And what I'm not seeing and making sense of is the affordable line item. I don't see that above in terms of broken down, like we have all our various amps broken down. But I do see that there's been a deficit in that account, so I'm curious to know what is that deficit, and then also I think tenant services as deficit, and I'm not following where that deficit's coming from. Okay, well, no, there's no deficits. Deficits are bracketed, so those numbers are all positive. So those numbers, are adding to it. So unaffordable, our reserve is 780,000 and we put $6,700 into the reserves this year. Most of that is interest income on the money that we have. Okay. And so I'm not sure uh, that those are You're positive. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, okay. I'm having a brain fart moment. And so for tenant okay. services, no problem. Sorry. It's, it's <laughs> tenant services, um, no problem whatsoever. Those are positive things. 
as for tenant services, that um, increases also interest, or where is uh, that? Well, and we also got some. Uh, we got a grant. We got some grant funds. We got some grant funds in that we were supposed to have like forty eight hundred dollars. Otherwise, um, so there were some miscellaneous. There were some income that came in tenant programs that I think we're planning on using, but it was a, some funding that got in, that we got in when it came to that. Mm -hmm. And what, how can that funding be used for tenant services? It can be used for anything we'd like. I mean, it, there's no, there's not restrictions on it. Okay. So those funds are there. You know, um, we, we've just accumulated that over, over over time um, most of that's nothing to do from tenant charges or anything along those lines those go directly to the programs that are you know that the you know the residents are living at so this was just I I saw as a, as a grant that came in and and Jeff I don't know I'm sorry I don't mean to put you on the spot but I didn't know if you were if you thought of what that was I just saw a forty eight hundred dollar uh, grant number come uh, fund funding come in so i don't know if anybody knows exactly yeah teresa. yeah teresa i'm not aware of what that specifically is for okay okay i just know that that came in so we can definitely find out for you <laughs> exactly i just get the ledger that has a number and so i'm not exactly sure but we can definitely check that out but that's just that's just tenants that services money that is there that we could be using mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. and, and then the, the, the affordable and the mobility, those programs, those both of those funds are monies that we have as the authority that we can use going forward for developments and things along those lines. So those two funds are there for that. Okay, good to know. Any other questions? So it was it was a very positive year, and it was very good, considering everything we went through <laughs> with the pandemic yep. and all that we've been going through. We, you know, we did really, you know, we did well, and you know, we did several modernization projects and things like that that we used our capital funds. So they were definitely very busy. Um, and we did do, you know, some other projects that we used our reserves for. And, um, you know, all those things were very, very positive things. So we were busy and still, and we spent money, but not more, you know, but we still made money at the same time. So it was very good. So, Teresa, I do have a question about the um, line 3802, the Operating Subsidy CARES Act. Yes. Is that, when we read across, is that two separate lines? Is the CARES Act one line for dollars, and then where it says grant pass-through is a separate? Yes. The grant pass-through is just simply our housing assistance payments that we make on the Section 8 and the MRVP program. Okay, because for every dollar we spend, we get funded for that. So that's that's just strictly what that that line is used for. Is those are just our housing assistance payments. That doesn't and if have you, like a if you if you go down to 
a three, three, four, if you go to the second page right in the middle, you'll see pass through expenditures tax. You'll see those numbers are exactly the same. Where, so where was that? Did, so where was that page through? A second page. Um, right in the middle, it says after total operating expenses, it says pass through expenditures, half. Okay. You'll see that 14 million, it's 14 the same million. number that's up on the revenue because right. we show them, but they're dollar for dollar reimbursed. Right. Thank you. And, okay, got it. So that's and so the, the difference. That's the difference. So we don't have any more CARES Act money to be spent. Oh yes, we do. Oh yeah, we have we have a significant amount of money to do. Yes, this is just what we used this year. And then in our, um, let me get you that number. It, then I built it into your twenty one budget that we have the remaining balance that we have to work with. Um, let me see if I can find that. But we still do have funds left. Both. Um, Section 8 admin money and half dollars and then we have um, we also have um, money from the operating subsidy on the public housing side the state side we used all those dollars so we money okay. okay so we definitely we do have money left of course it's not up for me easily here, but we definitely have, we still have CARES money, CARES Act money, state side on the federal public housing and on Section Eight. We we have till twelve thirty one of twenty one to spend those dollars. Okay, so I'll try to help you out a little bit too. Um, we, we've looked to budget those or to address some issues in the budget going forward, so that we use all that CARES Act money. Um, if yeah. we use it by, as Teresa said, by the end of next year, then we um, that will be recaptured. We'll lose that. So that originally right. the, um, the CARES Act was only through 1231 of 20. In fact, I think the municipalities, I think the city of Medford has to use or obligate their monies yep. um, by the end of, yeah. of uh, this month. Um, but the housing yeah. authorities were granted an, a, a, uh, an exemption to that. and um, we have a year to do that. So we, we programmed that into uh, consideration when we were going forth with uh, the budget. Yes, right. And and the state money that we got, that all had to be spent by 12-1, which we've spent. And um, so that has been taken care of. So we have spent all. And I have one more question because I'm not clear on this. So yes. line act forty one ninety point one DHCD legal reimbursement. Yeah. So we have a, an amount of about thirty seventy thousand two hundred seven dollars. What is that yes. for? Okay. So we do this as a favor for DHCD. We actually pay some of DHCD's legal bills, <laughs> things that come through. And so what they do is they funnel the money through us. So they send us basically it's out of the subsidy account but they send us money and then we're paying the bills it's to be honest with you we're doing this because this way DHCD can use subsidy grant money to pay for legal things so it's just we're so, 
secretary for that. Teresa, was that line 4190 on the... Uh, 40, uh, it's 4190.1. Yeah, okay. And what was the so, number you came out with? Because my number's not adding up. 73,000, 73,007. 207. 207. 207. Yeah, it was in three different places. No. What do you mean it's in three different places? If you look at 4190 DHED legal reimbursements, you go across to um, state consolidated falls on same exact money. Seventy-three thousand two hundred and seven. Yeah, because it's under the fourth one program. Okay, I'm sorry, my my mistake. That's I didn't read the totals. Funded. I thought it was three different places. And the actual revenue piece is up in thirty-six ninety, where it says other revenue. Part of that ninety-two thousand dollars has the seventy-three thousand in it. So that's you know the revenues up there and the expenses there. So wipe out. Okay, I got it. So Thank you. We do that on behalf of we. It's it's, it's basically a, a courtesy to DHCD. It helps them be able to pay their bills, pay the legal stuff timely. Uh huh. There are so, four housing authorities. There are four housing authorities in the Commonwealth who do this. And if we you do recall, this. last year, last year um, we had someone in. Um, August, who tried to um, get us to send to them $85,000. Um, both Tom and I picked that up, and it was someone who had um, um, sent us an invoice that looked just like DHCD's invoice, and um, we called them on it, and um, uh, we found that it was it was fraudulent. Um, but oh, we, yeah. we discussed, discussed this at that time. Um, we don't make any money on this. Um, as Teresa said, it's just a pass-through. And yeah. um, usually usually the attorney um, who we are paying on behalf of, of um, uh, DHCD, Maureen Riley, um, that is, uh, she's a, a slip and fall. She does personal injury. So if someone sues a housing authority, usually a smaller housing authority, um, DHCD will have a, uh, a slip and fall. Uh, attorney to uh, to come in and address it. It's usually what it's for. Mm -hmm. So this is related oh. to the FSS program. Is the FSS program escrow accounts never reflected in our operating? The, no, the escrow accounts are related on our balance sheet, okay, um, where we have we have the cash account, and then we have an offset liability for the FSS escrow, mm -hmm. just like a security deposit. And then the actual funding of those escrow accounts from the Section 8 programs portion are basically looked at as an half expense, okay? And so that $14 million that we see on here, in there also is the funding of our FSS escrow accounts. So, because that's basically the funding of an FSS is a half account is a half expense. Basically, it's looked at. So, um, so we do have the bank account and the offsetting liability, a separate bank account, and everything. And then um, the actual funding of it comes from our half dollars that we have. Okay. Thank you.
so that's how that's that's how that operates. Okay, Madam Chairman, if I may, through you, Teresa, uh -huh. uh, I'm looking at uh, nine thirty twenty one, the uh, schedule actual salaries <clears throat> administration. There were about eleven people that are paid out of the central office. Where does that central office money come from? Okay. Um, uh, well, the central office money comes from the, each program. The way it's set up is that our public housing programs, our, you know, properties that we own, they pay a management fee into the central office. They pay a management fee, which is $87.13 per unit month. And then they also pay a book keeping fee of $7.50. And then the Section 8 program also pays a bookkeeping fee, and they pay about $18 a unit into a management fee. So all of the programs, all of our programs, pay a management fee and a bookkeeping fee to the central office, okay? So that's, how, that's where they get their money. So when you're looking on the financials or anything, if you see in a 4185, it says management fees. Those are the fees that their management fee and bookkeeping fees that go into the central office, and that's where they get their money. Okay. Now, like I say, there were 11, from what I see here, there's 11 salaries yeah. that are paid out of the central office. Yes. Yeah. And, and the way that, that worked, is that, that, is that has is basically, that? I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, you go ahead, go ahead. No, what, you know, basically under the implementation of asset management, which created the central office, there are very specific positions that HUD requires have to go to the central office, such as your executive director, okay? Right. Um, all the accounting functions, all most of the people like, you know, your director of accounting, all your upper management positions, those positions are required to get charged to the central office. Okay, so that's permanent. What's that? Yeah, I said, I'm looking at the uh, director of finance, director of maintenance, director of uh, assistant, director of, uh, director of uh, MOD. There's about yes. 11, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And, and all of the positions are required under, quote, asset management that HUD has specified that those positions charge to the central office. So that's part of the puzzle is, you know, these are the positions and then have to make sure that you can generate enough fees to be able to support the central and And we do. We're in very good shape. We... Um, we generate enough fees that we can support. Those positions are basically considered the overhead administration of the agency. You know, um, they're not related to one project or development, such as a property manager might be. And so that's the designation that that goes under central, you know, overhead. That's central, you know, your central office is basically your administrative overhead, um, the, you know, program of the housing authority. In fact, we, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, 
the commissioners, they get a stipend out of that. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, they do. Because since we don't have our 200 program any longer, um, that's where, you know, the, the central office has a lot of flexibility on the spending of those dollars. So um, that's where the board members' compensation comes from. Since our federal program, our state program that we used to pay it out of, the 200 program became federalized, and the federal the federal government doesn't have compensated app, you know, compensation to board members. So we're able to use our central office money to do that. Yes. Thank, thank you, Teresa. Thank you very much. Sure. Sure. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you. Any other questions? I believe, Teresa, you have more, right, that you're going to share? Um, no, I think that was what I, that was that, unless there's a piece of, of uh, any kind of forms, but that was just, I was going over the, the year end and um, the reserves and just wanted to assure all the board members that, you know, things went very well and, uh, you know, management did a great job. Um, everybody did, um, and that we're in really we're in a good financial position as a as an agency. Okay, thank you, Savannah. I think I'll take a motion. I'll make a motion. Please. Thank you, Teresa. I'll take, make a motion that we uh, move on and make and accept uh, Teresa's. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll second that motion. Roll call, please. Roll call, please. Jeff, are you still with us? Uh, yep, I'm sorry. I was on mute. I apologize. Uh, Commissioner Chevry? Yes. Commissioner Janvia? Yes. Commissioner Lewis? Yes. Commissioner Luongo? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, that was part of the... That was for the the um, um, operating statement. So what about five, five. the top five? Um, Teresa, is there anything else that we need to know as far as the um, the year end DHCD? No, um, nope, not no, nothing. Whatever the numbers that are on this agency wide are the same financial numbers that are on those reports. So um, okay. those are. They're dollar for dollar. So, no, everything is straightforward. The state, you know, we it, we've struggled in the past, but it's it's done. It's doing well, and um, so we're in good financial condition. There, we're just, you know, we still are just waiting on the budgets <laughs> to be approved. But we right. just keep going forward, <laughs> and we just keep we just keep functioning and doing all our reporting requirements and everything that we're supposed to. So nothing else. Nope, everything else is, you know, the quarterlies and then the approval of the top five salaries. That's just a standard thing for the DCD requires. So that's it. All right, so it's my understanding then, Teresa, that we need a, uh, a vote for the board to approve and execute the um, certification of the year-end financial statement. And... Yes. Um, and then we would also need a vote for compliance with the uh, federal and state lead paint laws. And we would also need a certification for 
the top five compensation, correct? Yes. So okay. the the um, the if you wanted to eliminate one of those, the state finance and the top five are on one certification. So they can they can just certify both of those in one statement, and then you've got the paint. And then the separate one for the lead paint. Okay, very well. Thank you, Teresa. Okay. So, Madam um, uh, Chairperson, um, there is a um, there's a certification of top five compensation form um, that indicates certification of year-end financial statement um, and tenant accounts receivable data, and the certification of the top five compensated uh, positions at the authority. And I would ask that the um, the board so vote. Okay. Do they have a list of the top five, uh, Jeff? Wait a I have yes, a question. I believe, we, I believe they're in the I packet. Want, it is in the packet. We'll get to that in just a sec. Um, so what Teresa just went over for us is year to date. That's not our year end. And I don't nope, see the year on the agenda. So I just want to make sure that we're all talking about the same thing. So what we received is our agency-wide year-to-date actuals, um, 12 months ending September 30th, 2020, that's dated December 14, 2020. That's what we just reviewed just now. Yes, and in our past, for year-end, okay? That yes. 9.30 is your year-end, even though it says year-to-date. Right. Because our fiscal is October to September. Uh, October? No, it's October through September. Right, that's your choice. But you're nine thirty of twenty. You're nine thirty year end. All right, that's what I just said. October to September is our fiscal year, right? Oh, I said December. I'm sorry, I misheard you. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm very. Sorry. No, I know. I was like, I think we just said the same thing. Um, <laughs> that I heard. Yeah. Okay. So we're calling that our fiscal year end, even though it's called actual, just for the point of record to be clear. And then we're also looking at voting on the, let me go back, the um, fiscal year end forms and certification top five compensation form. Yeah. Madam Chairman, if I may, yeah. are we allowed to ask uh, who the top five are? It's listed there. I mean, oh, yeah, their names are there, but their titles are there. Well, I'm looking at like one. I'm looking at one of the five, and it's open right now. Uh, yeah, that was our assistant director. Right. Correct. Well, now we no longer have an assistant director, correct? Yeah, correct. but this is at September 30th of 20. So, 20, okay. you know, well, for most of the year, you did have that position. So right. she, right. she yep. left. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I know we don't okay. now. I'm looking at no, nine, we don't. I'm looking we, at 2021. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. But good catch, and that's a good question because I I was really wondering the same. Do we still certify if it wasn't for the full year? And we yeah, do yeah. because of yeah, we still okay. have to include. Okay. And so, is what there going to be a reduction in pay to from, because it was 117,000? Now it's going to be, be uh, next year. It's going to be 105,000. Is a the reason the salaries went down is because there's going to be a new person filling it. Bill, I'm going to ask you to hold that question. I just want to make sure before okay. we get we want to board the certification first before we jump to a different topic. Um, 
So the numbers in the certification, does that reflect the actuals or what was budgeted for those positions? Nope, the actuals. I mean, the budget column is there, but in the actuals, it's the same actuals that are on this agency-wide year-to-date actuals are the same numbers that are on that form. So they're the actuals. Okay, perfect. Great. All right. So we've already voted on the actual year-to-date, which is our annual. And so now we need to vote on our top five compensation. Uh, so, Madam Chair, it's all one vote. It's all one vote. What you voted on was, was previously, what you voted on was an across-the-board. This is the, this is a DHPD submission. So we need a specific, we need a specific vote for this, for DHPD. Am I right on that, Teresa? Yeah, we do, because there, there's a form and everything that we have to file specifically with the state that says those three things, the tenant's accounts receivable, the year-end financial statements, and top five. So if we could just have a motion that approves those three things, then we'll be all set. Can you repeat that, please? Because that's not reflected in the agenda. So what is it? Okay, it's uh, the approval of the tenant's accounts receivable, balance, the year-end financial statements, and the top five. Salary. I'll make a motion okay. that we accept or put it to a vote. Okay. And I'll, yeah, I'll second, second it. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. And so we'll do roll call vote, please. Commissioner Shepard? Yes. Commissioner Jandia? Yes. Commissioner Lewis? Yes. Commissioner Luongo? Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So just for the record, we'll show the financials that we just voted. So C was amended for that language, and we actually have a new agenda item under financials for certification of compliance for federal state-led laws, right? That's a separate item that has nothing to do with the DHCB certification, if I'm understanding this correctly. Uh, yeah. Thinking. Jeff, I'm That's not... Right. That certification no, I, is that? I, I think the certification was taken from previous language on a previous ag okay. agenda, and so that my understanding that that is referencing just the state, and there's no federal portion to it. That's my no. understanding. That is correct. We don't have a federal certification for year-end data. We don't. Right. Okay, so I'll my cross out federal, and, and the vote will just be for state-led laws. No, yes. my question. Wait a minute. My question is, in our agenda for this evening, item C under financial reads, certification of compliance with notification procedures of federal and state-led laws and certification of top five compensation. What I just understood, based on what you just clarified for us, Teresa, what we needed to vote on for DHCD is approval of the tenant accounts receivable, the year-end, and top five certification, which is what we just voted on. Correct? Right. And then there's one more, which I figured we were kind of, there is that lead that is a separate certification, the federal and state lead paint rules. That's a separate certification. Those others right. were all together, and then there's that one last one we need to do. Correct. So I'm with you. I'm just saying that just we want to reflect in our agenda that is a separate agenda item under our fiscal. So we're actually adding 
an item item D, which is going to be the lead paint certification for us to discuss and vote on. Okay. okay. Good. I'm glad yeah. we're on. I will separate them in the minutes, okay? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Right. So you need a vote. So now, I'll make a I'll make a motion a to accept. Oh. Well, I have a question on the certification before okay. I can vote on it. Sorry, just so I understand what's going on. So we have a fiscal year end, right? Is the what what's here? But then we're voting on a basically it seems like a retroactive. The last year that we were in compliance with our lead paint laws, as a it, and that's what we're voting on today. Is that what we're being asked to do? Correct. Okay. So for me, my question is, how do I don't know? This is my first time hearing about our lead plank compliance. I've never heard about our policies or what we do, so I don't feel informed to be able to vote on this. I have no idea what we've been doing. We've been so, doing that every year. Every year, um, Georgiana, that I've been here. Um, this has been a formality that we've done at this point in time because we are in compliance, so we're just certifying for that. But this is something that's been presented um, every year that I've been a director, and from what I understand, and Barbara, you know, help me out here, um, but I would anticipate that this has been um, approved on an annual basis for years. Yeah, every year. Can I just comment? We there is a online system for the state that we have to go in and certify our units every year, and it's just a standard thing that you have to do, and it's all to do with this lead paint. So this is just certifying what we have in the system, and as far as I can tell, nothing's changed. <laughs> that we we've had, you know, we haven't, you know, our properties. The ages of them and that our lead paint is not an issue. Got it. Okay. Well, that's helpful to know because I, I was like, I don't understand why we're doing a retroactive look back. Okay. Yeah. So we could take a motion. Thank you. All right. So I'll make the motion to accept the lead paint certification. Is that correct? Yes. And a second. I'll second it. Roll call, please. Commissioner Shepard. Yes. Commissioner Janvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Um, Teresa, before you go, we could just check. Barbara, Barbara, have we gotten all the votes that we needed? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And what about resolution number 2020 that mentions Teresa? Do we need you here, Teresa, for that to discuss and vote upon the operating okay. budget? Can I ask what that one is? <laughs> it's about, um, so it says, requested the executive director to reallocate the overstatement of administrative salaries in the FY2021 approved operating budget to miscellaneous salary provision line in the amount of $8,733.56. This overstatement resulted as a mathematical error and an adjustment in the presentation of the individual salaries during our November 19, 2020 board meeting as presented by our fee accountant, Teresa A. Ewald, CPA. Oh, Teresa, I think I, I think I can answer you, that fairly quickly. Um, there were some adjustments that had to be made 
there were some adjustments that had to be made on the, um, the salary page. Um, some were up, some were down. They were very uh, minor. I think one was $9.24. Um, and what this is, is that's an adjustment to that. Um, there were um, um, three salaries that on paper went down, excuse me, two salaries on paper that went down and three that went up. Um, and one was an adjustment um, to um, a manager's salary. It dealt with a manager. It dealt with um, two lease housing coordinators. Um, it dealt with a receptionist. Um, last year when we passed the uh, budget on the receptionist, if you recall, um, in October or November, the board granted her a $1,500 raise because she was also doing interpretation services. Um, that was not... Um, uh, that was separate from the budget, and so this year, when she got a uh, um, a three percent raise, um, it didn't include the um, the increase in her salary in in the interim. So we took care of that. And um, let me see, there was a manager, two leased housing coordinators, uh, one of the finance people. Um, we needed to adjust her salary by nine dollars and twenty four cents. So that those were the those were the five changes that we made. Um, but in making the changes of um, going down on the other two salaries, we're actually um, um, Teresa. I think, and I don't have that directly in front of me, but with that eight thousand dollar figure um, to the good. Yeah. So this what this was was you know we had presented a budget with positions and then. Going back, we had a few adjustments. It ended up that we had, a, from the original budget, we had a positive $8,000 extra money that we didn't need in the budget. So all that, when we tweaked some of the, and so we just, we ended up, let's just say in the original budget, we had a little more in admin salaries than we're going to need. So when we get down to the whole piece of it. Okay, thank you. So it's just get some tweaking of the budget. And so that $8,000 has been reallocated to a different line item and removed from the budget salary yeah. line item? It, it will either flow down into the positive, you know, as money not spent, which is okay, or we have it available for any things that happen throughout the year. There's some money, there's a money available in the line item. It's all good. Okay. Great. So I could take a motion on resolution number 2020-061. I'll make a motion that we accept it. I'll, I'll second it. Also, we'll, we'll, I'll um, acknowledge Commissioner Genevieve as seconding that motion. I'll call, please. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa, so much for bearing with us as we got our parents to follow along with what you're sharing. Oh, no problem. So are we are we all set? Yes, we have concluded the financial
And so we're all done unless there are other questions that folks have for Teresa before she moves on with her evening. No problem. No. Thank you very much, Teresa. Okay. Have a nice have a nice holiday, Teresa. Thank you. Yes. We have a wonderful holiday and um stay safe, please. <laughs> all Thank right. You. Have, a have a wonderful right. Thank Thanks. you. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, now returning back to board business, we're going to turn the floor over to you, Mike, for CPA updates. Um, right now, I think the only thing that was left was just the um, the bocce court, which I'm going to guess is probably under a foot and a half of snow. Um, I've talked to Barbara about... I think in the spring they're going to do a, a scoreboard or some sort of thing of that nature. But, uh, I mean, we are evaluating applications, none of which I think were involved with housing authority. The only other thing is, as, as we've discussed before, is my uh, tenure at the CPA ends in March and someone else um, needs to take over. So I don't know if anyone has thought about it, is interested, or... Uh, wants to discuss it or we, we can wait till, till the next meeting to, to discuss that issue further okay thank you and thank you for reminding about that because everyone should be aware that it is a requirement for the housing authority to have representation on the cpa board so that seat can't re remain unfilled so do give consideration to that and hopefully in the spring look forward to using the bocce board <laughs> um Okay. Yeah. Speaking I'm of the Jeff, what was the backhoe out there yesterday doing? The backhoe was, uh, Michael, it was taking off the um, the topsoil that was there um, because the um, the soil wasn't wasn't satisfactory. So that um, we actually held up payment to the uh, the contractor. Um, they brought in the um, supplier of the um, the topsoil. Uh, it was supposed to be a clay-type material, and it was not um, satisfactory. Um, in fact, when they would roll the ball, Michael, it would stop dead. Um, it's their responsibility to correct that. They came in, and they took out all the uh, soil that was there. And they put down a um, like a stone dust type of a, a material. They, they say it's some clay, but it looks a little bit like stone dust. So no, that no, um, no extra charge, right? No, no extra charge at all. Um, we held. Uh, I held um, on him. I think it was eleven or twelve thousand dollars, and we had an additional um, three thousand dollars for him to complete the job. So. Um, he kind of balked at coming until uh, I, I made sure that Gabe relayed my message to him that I wasn't going to pay him for what we owed him until such time as he came in and finished the work. Um, when he got that message, he came right out. Um, but it was a slow process. It was um, I wouldn't I, I, I would not recommend using that company again because it took since the springtime to get that project done, and it was through no fault of ours or the city's. Um, but it was a slow project, and I was told I was told he was waiting for material um, to come in. Uh, from um, from Canada, um, I swear it was on a slow boat from Italy. Because, from Italy, right? Um, right. That's what I was going to yeah. say, yeah. Probably come, it probably come down the Mystic River, right? Did it come down there? I'm being a comedian. Go ahead. Uh, we, yeah. I'm going to play the first uh, Pachi game with Bill Young. 
Yeah. Hey, sounds sounds good. We'll do that. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you. So I'll take um, a motion to close discussion on CPA representative update. Madam Chair, if I if I could just add something, um, I'll put sure. it in now instead of in my report. Um, Michael, I've had um, some uh, discussions uh, recently with the um, the city, and one of the things we're looking for is the. Um, I apologize. That's my phone ringing. Um, one of the things we're looking for is is pre-development costs at um, at Walkling, and um, the estimate that we anticipate is in the vicinity of about 1.1 million dollars. Um, I had a uh, a meeting this week with the uh, representatives of the um, community development agency, one of whom is on your your committee, and the mayor, and um, I was told that there may be a possibility of upwards of um, $500,000 from the, the uh, Community Preservation Committee um, for the, uh, the pre-development costs. Um, that, and if we could utilize some monies from the, um, the CDA and some of our uh, capital fund money would get us to in the vicinity of that $1.1 she, she indicated, it was Danielle Evans, um, indicated that there's an application process. Sometimes things are done on a um, an emergency basis, but she didn't know if this would qualify uh, for an emergency, um, which would mean we'd have to wait until September or or something like. That. Uh, you're pretty much just putting it on your radar right now. I know you you indicated you'd only be there for a few more months, but um, do you think there'd be a possibility of us submitting an emergency application um, so that we can proceed forward? Um, the issue with this is that this is the only time that the city in the, in the last number of years, and I don't know how many years that is, um, that we would see the development of um, uh, almost 100 additional units of affordable housing. So I'm, I, I think just, if I'm we can show that, that there's like, there's some sort of time frame. So like, what we do, so like, what I can tell you like one of the off cycle applications is what they call them. Like one of the ones we did approve was for the city for the uh, the water. There was a water park uh, function, uh, and I forget the name of the park. But they there was matching funds that the city was going to lose if they didn't get the commitment of these funds. Do you know what I'm saying? So like gotcha. you're like, hey, look, we're going to get two hundred thousand. And I'm making that up, but from from HUD or DHCD, if we don't get it by you know February fifteenth, you know that right. if you could show something like that. I think you'd have a good, a good argument. I think the other thing too that, it, and one of the things we've all talked about at, at that committee is like hard units, hard units, hard units. You know what I mean? So like we spend a lot of money on one or two units. If you say, look, give us this five hundred thousand dollars, this is going to contribute to a hundred units or however many it's going to. You know what I mean? Like that would go a long way um, to push the affordable housing aspect of, of the CPC. Excellent. All right, Michael. Thank you. Uh, thank you. So I had a question, Jeff. What's CDA? If I heard you correctly. What's CDA? CDA, Community Development Agency. Sorry. Who is that? That's, that's the city's CDBG office. They, they administer community development block grant funds. Community and Development now called CDA? CDA, uh, I refer to them as that. That's usually what they are. 
Oh, okay. I think the city calls them the Community Development Authority or Community Development Community Development Agency. I believe that's what it is. Community Development, that's what they call it. Community yeah. Development. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Um, so I'll now take a motion to close on CPA representative update. I'll make a motion to close CPA. Just pop to the second. Yes. I'll second the motion. Yes. Thank you. All in favor, roll call. Okay. Commissioner Trevery. Yes. Commissioner Jambia. Yes. Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And so for board business D, thank you for including that, um, the number of household leases held by permanent residents by property. Um, so everyone could just hold on to that because I think that this information will be helpful to return mm -hmm. to when we're looking at repositioning our assets. Um, I also found it quite interesting to see that we had kind of disproportionate representation of permanent residents of certain properties and others. So um, just found that interesting distribution. Um, so that's why I asked for that. And we don't have to have any further discussion unless anybody has questions about that information and what that means. I have a question. Mm -hmm. My question is, um, I know um, repositioning, but is it from my understanding that Lepre and Willis are federal? So is those tenants that are head of household that are um, permanent residents, doesn't that affect them in a way? Should they still be in a federal um, property or not? I don't know how that works. Is there a way you could clarify that for me, please? It, it, they, are, they are able to be in a federal property. And um, they're eligible to, uh, to to sign the lease. Okay, thank you. Yep. There's no immigration status concern with someone who's a permanent resident. Oh, okay. Thank you for clearing that up for me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you. And so I'll take a motion to close item D. So item D, oh. uh, Madam Chair? Yes. Motion to close on item D. I'll make a motion to close item D. And a second. Uh -huh. Thank you. Uh, roll call vote. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Janvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. The board business item E lists that prioritizes the order in which MHA wishes to reposition assets by property name. So thank you for 
uh, adding that into our board packet again. This is another piece of information just for reference. Um, as we all remember, we had our presentation at our last meeting the Cambridge Housing Authority based on their consultation with our staff, um, Chiefly Gabe, leading with Jeff on um, repositioning assets and getting the additional support through Cambridge Housing Authority's experience on working on such projects. So we'll return to this material, so just hang on to that. Unless there are other questions or comments about that information in the packet, I will take a motion to close. Before you close, I'll make that motion. Can I have a Go ahead, Commissioner Zambia. Um, I maybe I'm wrong, but wasn't it in um was that working court was uh, the first one where we were looking to um move forward with but it changes can i ask why was the change made that we move for we're moving forward with uh um salt and salt first then um working court sure i can tell you why um it, it was always my intention that salt and stall and walkling um would be working together um walkling did not need to have a physical needs assessment done um, because of the, the condition that it's in. Um, salt install did need to have a physical needs um, assessment done. And we had not only an architect uh, draft that up, but we've had a number of engineers who have come in and, and done work with that. Um, we submitted the application, the 300, and I believe it was 34-page application to HUD on uh, December, I believe it was December 4th. And I've actually had... Um, two meetings with the, the folks at the Special Application Center for HUD, who are located out in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Had two meetings with them already. Um, that application process, uh, LOSA, is, uh, we were told, um, historically, it takes months, sometimes um, up to a year, uh, to get approval. Um, they've indicated to us, and this is part of my report today also, so I'll say it now, um, they've indicated to us that um, it's likely that we'll get a decision from 20 to uh, 60 days uh, from them to be able to proceed forward. Uh, at the same time that we anticipated in July and August that it was going to take 8 to 12 months to get approval from that office, um, we were looking to meet with uh, DHCD, and we met with DHCD in September. And at that point in time, they said, um, we're interested in working with you, and we'll meet again, but we won't meet again until after the election. Um, so that puts more on the, um, the front burner and, and walking um, secondary. Um, but as I said just a few moments ago when we were talking about CPC, um, we're in the process right now of looking for a, uh, um, creating our own designer selection committee so that we can go forward with an architect uh, to come in and begin the design for WalkLink. Um, I fully anticipate as long as we can get that 1.1 million or a good, good chunk of that uh, up front, uh, I fully anticipate having a, uh, an architect on board um, in a relatively short period of time. The time frame is such that the designer selection uh, will be looking for three people. Um, that'll be brought before the board at the next board meeting. And then we'll be looking to um, begin to advertise for a, uh, an architect. In the meantime, LOSA, 
Um, we now have a, uh, an expedited process for um, salt install compared to what it was that we first thought it would be. And so that we first thought we would be able to get working with, um, um, with Walkling. Um, but um, it's more realistic now to think that salt install will, um, will be able to go forward first. Um, quite frankly, um, they're almost simultaneous. Um, but for being able to list them out, my only concern with Walkling at this point is trying to get the pre-development funds to be able to go forward 1.1 million. I, I'm pretty certain we're going to be able to do that. Um, and we will be meeting with the, um, the state again. I, I don't know when, but we'll be meeting with them again. And that um, I, I fully anticipate being able to go forward with both of them. And they'll be sooner than later. Um, but that doesn't leave uh, Lapree Village um, far in the background. Because um, even though um, it's it's been delayed somewhat because of our work on the um, on the application and, and Gabe and and Cambridge and myself um, have been meeting regularly on that with Salt Install, um, but now that that is is in, um, we can begin to focus on other things, and that's why we're focusing in on walking right now. So I, I hope that answers your question. We're focusing on Salt Install first. Okay, thank you. I get, I get it. We're, we're doing it simultaneously, but Salt and Salt's salt application went in, and where we thought there'd be a row uh, for a good period of time, we've just been told as of last Thursday when I had my first meeting with them, we were informed, actually, actually, now that I think of it, yeah, it was Thursday. Um, they informed us that it'll be much more of an expedited process than would be the other, other um, case. And, and I, I think the reason for that, quite frankly, is that they've hired additional staff in that office. So that's why they're Thank you very process. much. Okay. Thank You're you. Welcome. And who, which office are you speaking about that's hired more staff that could expedite? The Special Application Center for HUD. Okay. That's great. If there are no more questions, I can take a motion. To close this item, I'll make that motion. I'll second it. Oh. Thank you, Mike and Bill. The roll call vote, please. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Excuse <coughs> me. Okay, board business item F, updated executive director goals and progress report for this fiscal year. All right, uh, one of the goals was resident community, resident slash community services to provide effective and necessary service to our residents, participants, applicants, and members of the community with whom the MHA interacts. Um, I'm gonna run down a number of bulleted items that I have for you. Um, public housing offices have been uh, constructed and uh, furnished. Uh, managers are on site. Um, they now spend the majority of their time at their assigned sites and are no longer working out of the main office. Their offices uh, have, in fact, been uh, um, changed over to um, um, house three uh, leased housing uh, coordinators in their own closed-in um, office areas. Uh, management meetings uh, with the residents, which were uh, ongoing, um, there was one every uh, um, 
every month for our elderly sites. Um, those have been temporarily put on hold because of the pandemic. Uh, we're in the process of developing a newsletter. We hope for that to be uh, one that is on a monthly basis. Um, and we're shooting for that to be out after the first of the year. I know I reported that to the board previously. Um, I also previously uh, reported to the board um, that we are um, we've designed and are in the process of putting on a new website um, that also should be ready after the first of the year. Uh, we're drafting a uh, a new resident handbook. Um, these three items are all under the direction of um, Barbara Vivian. And Chris Lagruda is the one who is, is handling those. Um, we now use robocalls to communicate to the residents. Uh, anything from um, they should be wearing their masks to there's a snowstorm, make sure your cars are parked in the appropriate places, um, to uh, anything else that would be of interest or of need for us to get the message to the general population. Uh, during the pandemic, MHA resident services have worked tirelessly um, to assist residents uh, with food deliveries, counseling, uh, flu shots, uh, COVID-19 testing, uh, to name just a few. But if you'll, um, you'll look, uh, when we get to uh, the ED report, you'll see at the uh, uh, resident services report, very extensive. Um, we're very fortunate to have um, the folks, the, the two employees, and um, the, the contract working with us. Uh, NHA is working with um, Redemption Church, who delivered hundreds of meals to our residents in particular. I believe the number was over 100 uh, Thanksgiving Day meals this year alone. Um, I've, I've met with and uh, Resident Services um, is going to be working with the Color Coalition to assist with some educational endeavors with regard to our residents. I signed a letter of support today um, for the, um, the city in cooperation with the uh, Medford uh, Vocational Technical High School um, through a proposed computer learning program for our residents and the, uh, the YMCA um, uh, both at Willis Avenue and for food distribution, they've been working with uh, resident services. We've increased our, and I know, I know um, um, Loser is very familiar with that because I know that um, she helps out at, at the WISE program. Um, we've increased our involvement with the city of Medford, um, in the Medford Police Department and uh, community, and um, um, in particular, the Redemption Church um, and, and other agencies throughout the city. Um, we've developed a very good working uh, relationship with the, um, the city administration. Uh, I have discussed with the mayor a number of issues ranging from the repositioning of Salt and Stall and Walking Court. Uh, suspected criminal activity on MHA property, um, where we've dealt with uh, not only the mayor's office, but the police. Um, we've coordinated efforts um, between the city um, that involved those police efforts. Um, the Board of Health Assistance has been uh, invaluable. Um, we have received uh, CPC funding, um, community development block grant funding, and um, insofar as community development, I've met with them recently. And we are looking to do some additional outreach to our residents and to our Section 8 landlords. Uh, I will be bringing forth uh, a recommendation to the board in the future through the Utilization of CARES Act um, for the development of an incentive program to increase the number of units that we have in the uh, city of Medford that are utilizing um, Section 8 subsidies.
Uh, we have an excellent relationship, as I said, with the Board of Health, whereby they've been of assistance in having uh, tested our, uh, our elderly sites for COVID-19, at least three of them. Um, in addition, we have an ongoing working uh, relationship with the city's diversity office. Um, we send to uh, Neil Osborne uh, copies of all of our, uh, our job openings, and um, he's also the, uh, the personnel director. And we have um, been making a conscious effort um, to try to diversify our um, our employment staff. Um, our administrative staff is is um, more diverse than the maintenance staff, but we've had some recent successes with that, and so we'll continue those efforts. Um, we have a, a very good working relationship with Barbara Vivian and the uh, city clerk's office. Uh, Tom um, does an excellent job in working with the uh, the retirement board. And we also have relationships with the uh, the fire department and DPW. In particular, our uh, our maintenance personnel have some uh, our maintenance management personnel have working relationships with uh, with both those departments. Uh, we work closely, as the the board is aware, with the Medford Police Department, um, the appointed police liaison, um, um, Rory, who is um, now uh, a sergeant. Uh, he was promoted. Um, but we're still working with him in, in that capacity. We work with the Detective Bureau, and where necessary, uh, we work with individual police officers who are investigating matters. Um, I get calls from the uh, police department at all hours of the day and night, um, whether it be in the middle of the week or whether it be on the weekend. Um, we've been very cooperative with them. We have developed a cooperative relationship insofar as um, um, because, and I think Michael uh, Luongo will be happy to hear this, because um, I know Michael had pushed for the, um, the security cameras in the past. Um, they are often uh, seeking out our assistance uh, um, to view our uh, security footage, and we've provided them with access to that. And that's not only for matters that deal with our residents, but um, one of the last ones they asked for was over at 99 Riverside, and we were able to catch something on our own uh, security system that helped them out. Through the relationship with the, the police li liaison, uh, Rory Lockowitz, as I indicated, we also participate regularly with a group that's called the Hub Group, which consists of uh, approximately 25 social service and government entities who work with uh, individuals uh, including our own residents who are in need of assistance. Um, and they meet regularly. They were meeting regularly in person. Um, they've assisted us in a number of instances where we've had uh, individuals who needed increased social service assistance. Uh, in some instances, um, because of the hub relationship that our resident services department has, they have uh, been able to um, Seek the um, or utilize the assistance of the other members who sit on that committee who would be uh, appropriate to the um, circumstances of the issue. We continue to increase the number of Section 8 vouchers that we've issued in an effort to provide more assistance to the community and utilize the full allocation of the Section 8 vouchers under the HCC. As the board is aware, twice we have um, uh, been restricted from issuing Section 8 vouchers because we've overextended the, um, the the budget that we have um, by overextending the budget HUD will um, will fill in the gap if you may and has done so on two occasions um, at that point we will um, will investigate any fraud or any program irregularities that need to be addressed and then um, at the end of the calendar year 
HUD will increase the um, the line item that you saw earlier. I believe um, Chairperson uh, Chevry had had questioned that it was the $14 million, almost $15 million line item um, that's been increased significantly because um, from the time of June of 2017 to now, um, we have a hundred additional families who are now housed in the Section 8 program who previously um, did not have a subsidy. And so in order to do this, we have met monthly with HUD at various times, and we have um, done a, um, a recent analysis, and I'll talk about that in a moment, um, but HUD is, is um, very happy with the progress that we've made. Included in the material um, is a, uh, the last item under this goal. Included in the material provided to the board is a listing of 23 policies that have been updated since June of 2017. My magic with June of 2017, in referencing that a second time, is that that's when I became your executive director. Um, those policies um, have all been, uh, the majority of them are created new. Um, there are some that have been uh, amended. Um, second goal I'm going to talk about this evening is organizational effectiveness. This was to review, modernize, and implement strategies to maximize the MHA's internal operation and management functions to provide same with integrity and accountability. Uh, we've upgraded our computer systems significantly. The specialized housing authority software from HAB has been uh, purchased by a company by the name of MRI. And we've converted a number of our systems to MRI, and we'll continue to do that. Um, we've updated um, the software uh, outside of, of HAB MRI um, on the system, and we have updated the, uh, the hardware. Um, it's a significant task when we have a, uh, a good number of, of folks um, whose systems we're going to shut down because the um, um, the software wasn't going to be, um, the software was so old, it wasn't going to be continued um, to be updated by the um, provider. Um, and Kathy Fortia was, was the individual who, um, who led that for us. Uh, the areas of finance, maintenance, public housing, tenant selection, and leased housing have all experienced improvement in their computer operations. As I said earlier, in, in response to our LOSA's uh, comment, um, maintenance personnel are all using handheld devices to be assigned, undertake, and complete work orders, um, thereby doing away with the, uh, the paper work orders. Um, that is, is um, in process. Um, only recently did the last individual get put onto the handheld. Um, so that what I indicated um, in response to that question is, is certainly going to be something that um, we're going to look at. Um, and I know Barbara Vivian will echo these, and I don't want to speak for her, but um, it's not a matter of just saying that we're going to do this. Um, this is a lot of work to do something such as this. It's a lot of work for the last bullet that I gave you when I talk about areas of finance, how Tom has uh, streamlined that process, um, the things that we're doing through there, the things that maintenance is doing. And maintenance indicates to me that the residents are very complementary to what's going on at this point that the condition of the units are better. We, we do have issues, there's no question about it. Um, but those. Um, we've updated the processes, and, and again, we talked about this, we updated the processes for the assessment and collection of charges residents that continues to be ex uh, assessed. Uh, charges were previously assessed, but payments were not collected. Um, those, Barbara, are we still the only ones on the line? Yes. I wish they were here. Okay, great, great. 
okay, um, uh, they weren't previously collected. They were assessed. They were put into a ledger. Uh, now we have all that ledger on um, all that, excuse me, all those charges on one ledger. So it's apparent to not only uh, me as the executive director, but it's apparent to the public housing managers and it's apparent to the residents because we oftentimes are asked to uh, give them a copy of their ledger uh, for them to see exactly what it is that they owe. And this is more of a management function and enforcement of the lease as opposed to looking to collect um, uh, uh, money. Uh, last night we had, excuse me, the night before, um, I had a maintenance man come in on two separate occasions that I know of to um, open the door for someone. Um, and at one point in time, I believe it was 11.57 at night. The other time it was maybe 7 o'clock at night. Um, we pay for that. We pay for that. Will the resident be charged for that? Yes. Yes. Um, procurement functions have been streamlined and also continue to be assessed. Um, Will O'Neill, who was hired as the assistant to, um, uh, to get in the modernization department, um, we were looking for a procurement clerk. Um, Will O'Neill volunteered to take on those additional responsibilities. Um, that was provided to the board, I believe it was in last year's budget, where we, we increased um, his salary um, to uh, address that function, uh, working very well. Um, finance is now paying vendors electronically. Uh, uh, we've implemented the um, centralized state waiting list, which has been uh, um, criticized um, highly by housing authorities, and um, our tenant selector has done an excellent job with that. Um, staff are dealing with uh, pandemic-related matters very effectively. Um, we continue to have instances where people um, have contracted the virus. Um, that's not something that I, I report to the board, um, just that the board should be aware that we're taking every step possible um, to ensure that the, um, the operations are safe. Uh, individuals are compensated for the time that they're out. I don't want someone to come into the the office or to go into a residence unit who we know um, or who they know has COVID and they're doing it because they're not going to get a paycheck. Everyone gets paid for the time they're out. Um, we had one uh, maintenance individual who was out for 14 days. Um, a family member um, had tested positive. He was out for 14 days. Um, that individual tested again at the end of that 14 days, and um, that family member was still positive, and so that, that maintenance person was out for another 14 days, um, so that we're very, very cautious in how we do it. We provide, uh, we continue to provide training um, to the online staff and management employees to broaden their knowledge and develop necessary expertise within their assigned responsibilities. Uh, I spoke just a moment ago about the pandemic. Maintenance has undertaken much work in ensuring the sites are cleaned and disinfected um, to prevent the spread of um, the virus. Um, we, uh, I anticipate that uh, maintenance will be extending um, their cleaning responsibilities and disinfecting responsibilities, and I will be having a, a further discussion tomorrow with uh, maintenance management to begin to assign maintenance personnel to um, uh, seven days a week um, for for this purpose. Um, the administrative offices are cleaned daily, um, but they also undergo a heavy cleaning um, by an outside contractor on a, uh, a monthly basis. Uh, for example, they're scheduled to come in tomorrow um, beginning at 1 o'clock, and they'll be there for, they'll have a number of employees there um, who will be working in the, um, the administrative offices, cleaning everything down and wiping everything down uh, something the board should realize also is that um, 
because we expended monies to um, upgrade the um, heating and cooling system um, a year and a half ago, I believe it was, could be as much as two years ago. Um, that ventilation is um, very beneficial to the employees and maintenance changes those filters on a, uh, a regular basis. I'd like to tell you that it's a monthly basis and I believe it is, um, but um, those are all addressed. Um, the last goal I'm going to talk about um, this evening is the physical needs. Um, this is to provide clean, safe, and sanitary housing to our residents. Um, modernization efforts continue to be very active and effective in making significant improvements to MHA units. Um, those efforts are such that um, um, they're also cutting down um, in large part on our uh, uh, the need for us to be able to address even more work orders. Um, we continue to advertise and have interviewed individuals um, when we have maintenance vacancies. We presently are interviewing uh, for both a plumber and a laborer mechanic. Um, we've hired a number of maintenance uh, employees. Um, the process is such that um, with the pandemic, it's a little bit more difficult, but uh, Steve and John, um, Barbara, Barbara sends out the um, the advertisements, we use MassNaro, we use NERFNaro at times, um, uh, we use Indeed. Um, Barbara, am I, am I hitting everything? Is there anything else? Yeah, Monster.com. Monster.com. I know we use them in the past. Um, I think the biggest success we've had is with Indeed. Would you agree, Barbara? Yes. Yeah. Barbara gets those, uh, those resumes, then she forwards them to me. Uh, she forwards them to uh, Steve and John. Also, um, Steve and John will decide who it is that they are looking to interview. Um, they'll interview um, an individual or individuals, and then they will make a recommendation to me, at which time I will have a, a, a virtual meeting with the um, individual. And, and John and Steve were attempting at one point, um, even during the pandemic, to meet with the individuals um, um, personally, but from a distance with masks. Um, they would actually go out in the back where the depot was in, in, or is and, and meet with him there. A little bit more difficult to do that at this point in time. Um, but uh, once they provide that recommendation to me, it's up to me to then um, go forward and do a reference, um, speak with them um, and, and do references. Um, there have been times where they've recommended someone and I have indicated to them that I have some Based upon the information I get, I've had uh, some reluctance. Um, they then will meet with the individual again and address those concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we'll uh, provide an offer. Other times um, we'll, we will not proceed forward. Um, but we continue to hire skilled maintenance employees. I am really happy to tell you that uh, some of our recent applicants for maintenance positions have had excellent similar experience with exceptional references. Um, I was um, at Tempone uh, one evening, and late one evening, it was about 9.15, and I was walking through. Um, I had my hooded sweatshirt on, and I had my ratty jeans and my work boots on. Uh, I did not want to be recognized. I wanted to see uh, what was going on um, at that site. We had had some uh, concerns raised about um, activities there. And I met a, uh, a woman who, who I won't name, um, but I met a woman there, uh, one of our residents. And um, 
she's a little bit taken back because I actually think I had my sunglasses on too. Um, she certainly didn't recognize me. And um, when I identified myself and um, told her who I was and, and gave her a little bit of information as far as why I was there, um, she didn't ask any more questions of me other than to tell me and speak effusively about the uh, new maintenance person that I have uh, at that site. Um, and it's a great hire, somebody with a great deal of experience. Um, we've just hired uh, another, uh, this individual happens to be a Section 3 um, individual um, who is uh, who has a great deal of experience also. He's, he's working in maintenance also. So um, as, I, as I referenced earlier, um, we're trying to make the, um, uh, the operations of the Housing Authority diverse. Um, we have now, I believe it's 11 separate languages. Um, of individuals who uh, who work in the uh, the authority, we've obligated our capital funds in a timely manner, and we continue to do so. If we do not, we lose them. Uh, when I came on board, in 2017, um, we had half a million dollars that we had to obligate and get under contract. We had to bid, obligate, and get under contract um, in a matter of, of seven months, and um, we were able to do that. Um, and that was in large part through um, um, a coordinated effort with uh, administration and with modernization. Um, it was actually less than seven months now that I think of it because it was three months into my tenure here when, uh, when Gabe came on board. Um, I'm happy to tell you, and, and I think you're aware of this, but I'm, I'm happy to remind you, um, we've had no findings associated with obligation of, of funds um, or um, expenditures when it comes to uh, well, in any of our programs, but in particular in this instance in uh, modernization, um, no findings with the uh, with any procurement um, for um, Bill and and um, Michael Longo. Um, that was an issue um, when um, uh, through the history of the authority at certain times. Um, no issue with procurement. No issues with contracts. Um, we are fulfilling our Section Three requirements. Um, not only in our attempts to make hires, but also with regard to capital fund projects. And Barbara Fleming is working on that, and we're expanding the uh, requirement. The requirements under Section Three have been uh, expanded just recently, and uh, Barbara is uh, right on top of that, and she's taking care of that for us. Um, due to the pandemic, every employee is now in a separate work area. Uh, not only those people that are now in the old maintenance um, area, but they're now in the housing area. Um, we've petitioned uh, and portioned them off. And we separated every employee in um, in the building. Uh, no longer are people sitting on top of each other without any protection. Everyone has a, a closed office area. Um, we also have have indicated um, we've taken over the uh, tenant, uh, the resident, uh, the, the um, resident office and the security office, and we have two folks in there. Uh, maintenance did a nice job in in rehabbing that. Um, we continue to look toward the rehabilitation of the administrative offices in the lobby uh, with an eye toward eventually uh, opening the lobby to others, um, to our residents and to the public. Um, we've requested funding um, through the Community Development Agency for the installation of two kiosks to assist with this, um, where the residents would be able to uh, come up and um, use the kiosks, which would have uh, computer access and be able to uh, communicate directly with our staff, um, if not visually, certainly by giving them uh, documents. Um, we'll eventually, if the kiosks don't provide a visual um, ability to meet with our staff, then we will have areas in the, um, 
in the lobby area where individuals will be able to have a virtual meeting with the staff. Um, we've implemented FY18, 19, and FY20 capital fund plans for modernization of federal units and have updated the five-year capital plan going forward. Uh, we're in uh, FY24. We're in FY24, and the reason why it says FY18, 19, and 20 is because there's two years to expend that money. So uh, 18 is, is complete. Uh, 19, I believe, we're almost finished with. We may be um, uh, having some, some uh, votes on FY19 money this evening and the FY capital fund plans um, we're going forward with. Uh, we'll coordinate all this with our five-year plan. Um, and in that five-year plan, we've also, uh, the board voted on back in the springtime or in May, uh, we'll also, um, um, we also identified our efforts to uh, reposition our assets. Um, HUD wants us to see, wants us to do that. Um, the MHA seeks to imp uh, improve the quality of its uh, security surveillance system. Um, during my tenure, we've made use of that. Uh, I referenced a, a few moments ago about how the police um, access that uh, regularly. Um, and I know Barbara has been instrumental in, in assisting. Um, it's not only the Medford police, but also um, the state police have, um, have dealt with us. And, and we, deal with, um, we deal with the Medford police on a, on a routine basis. Um, but we have also um, dealt with the, uh, the state police. Um, Walking Court has received funding um, from um, Community Development Agency to install surveillance system at that development. Um, we don't know if we're going to get funding uh, or when we're going to get funding for Walking Court. I'm a little bit reticent to uh, end up uh, putting in a surveillance system um, if it's going to be taken down. Um, I am assured that whatever goes up at the, um, the system uh, at Walkling will be able to be utilized at our our other developments. Having said that, um, we had budgeted uh, some capital fund money for um, improvement to the security systems at our federal housing sites. Um, that was going to be um, uh, over a period of, of four years or so, five years. Um, HUD is allowing us to, um, because of the pandemic, HUD has, as I said earlier, released a number of requirements on housing authorities granted waivers and one of them is for us to be able to utilize uh, funding that we have identified um, at, a, at a future fiscal year point in time and um, those projects that would have been funded in say 2023 we can now push up and and do those in in 2020 and 2021 so along those lines we are not looking to uh, um, piecemeal the uh, security system upgrade um, but rather, we're looking to do that at all the federal sites at one point in time. Um, and we'll do that in conjunction with any positioning efforts here um, at Salt Install. Uh, but we'll be doing those um, so that, um, quite frankly, um, all of the cameras will be able to uh, identify um, the license plates. All of the cameras will be able to identify um, who the person is that we don't always have that ability. We do with some of our... Um, our cameras, but we don't have all of them. Um, we utilize hotspots uh, to enable us to use portable security surveillance systems. Um, those hotspots allow us um, to see where there's um, alleged criminal activity being undertaken. Um, we had um, four of those those cameras, and um, those four became outdated because the the hotspot is a um, computer access. 
um, because they weren't uh, compatible anymore. And um, we've just purchased, I believe, it's six more. And the um, both the uh, the maintenance staff and the management staff coordinate that, and the management staff uh, reports to me on a monthly basis as far as where those uh, um, surveillance system cameras are are put up. And uh, in my meetings with the um, with the management staff, um, we identify increased need in in various areas. Uh, management has um, um, already uh, I have authorized additional patrols um, by the Medford Police Department. Um, we continue to work with them in the scheduling and location of these efforts. Um, previously, the uh, they used to come in for a limited period of time. Um, within the authority's budget, uh, I worked with the um, uh, detective division, and we have increased the um, the number of patrols that are uh, that are out on our sites. Um, in conjunction with the efforts of the mayor and the chief, um, we've expanded what previously was only um, two sites um, to now all the sites. Um, the one difficulty we have is that with the pandemic, um, we are um, the patrols aren't as as often as I would like. Um, they're extra patrols, and they're they're not assigned. Um, they're voluntary on the part of the police department. Um, the police have been very very good though in in addressing uh, situations that we have, and they've been very very good in coming to um, work with us at the authority for um, issues um, that um, could be considered to be fairly um, um, fairly difficult. Um, we've issued, um, based upon the um, police intervention, uh, we've issued a, um, a number of uh, trespass orders and, and dealt with that issue with um, whether it be unauthorized occupants or whether it be uh, folks who um, we want to try to keep off the uh, the premises. I'm going to end with just uh, one more thing, and and I didn't bullet this on my my list, but um, just some notes that I was taking. Um, Teresa said we're in very good financial condition, uh, both federal and state. When I was when I was your counsel, I was um, encouraged um, not to bill on the state side because it wasn't enough money. Um, I told you many times that. Um, the state site has uh, uh, been viewed as, in my eyes, the um, the poor sister of the authority. Um, it's not as bad at this point. It's much better. Um, the expenditure of the capital funds, um, that's extraordinarily important to the health of the, uh, um, the, the units going forward. Staying within budget, um, Teresa indicated today that we were able to put $500,000 into the reserve and, and still uh, undertake a, uh, a number of, uh, of items in the, um, in the budget um, and, and, and work. And she indicated something that we've done things through the budget that we didn't do through capital. Um, that's unusual. Um, usually a housing authority will not have the ability to do that. Uh, oftentimes the housing authority is counting the number of reams of paper they're purchasing. Never mind. Spending seventy or eighty or ninety thousand dollars on projects out of the budget, and we've been able to do that. As I said, the condition of the units, um, as far as my maintenance management staff has indicated, um, is far superior to what it used to be. Um, the the TMR 
the maintenance review done by um, by um, DHCD. Uh, they came in last February and they did a review. They did one the year before, and they're going to be doing one in January of this year. Uh, they were effusive in their compliments of the housing authority. No issues. Um, the auditor, um, no issues. Uh, my first year here, I had to address issues with audit findings that were not only one year old, but were two years old. Um, those are, are in, in good, um, we're, we're standing there. Rent collection, um, even during the pandemic, and, and Teresa indicated to you that we had some assistance with um, with the CARES Act funds. Um, if, if someone lost their job and their rent was $800 a month and, and their rent was now $100 a month, uh, we lose $700 in income. Um, what I'm concerned with is um, from uh, a, a, an oversight and a management point of view is not that that resident is no longer paying 800 but that they're paying that 100 And to that end, we've had a high percentage of individuals who are fulfilling their responsibility in, in paying rent. And I'm talking about in the vicinity of 99%. Um, and in many cases, we're over 100% because people are making up for rent that they may not have, have previously paid. Lastly, and the board, I cannot emphasize this enough, and the board has to recognize this, and this has to be a focus, and that is the repositioning of the assets. That will transform this housing authority from where it was to something that is vital, something that is ongoing, something that is generational, something that is going to be around and be able to provide the housing that the, the residents deserve, not only the current, um, but the future residents. Um, Walkling Court, built in the mid-60s. Um, what we're going to be doing there is something that's going to go far beyond my lifespan um, and it's going to be something that this board will be um, very proud of in, in the long run. It's not business as usual. We have to understand that and we're going to be innovative. Um, we're going to have the input of, of the board. We're going to have the input of the city. We're going to have the input of the residents who live in that that development, and we're also going to have the input of the residents who live in that immediate area because this is going to impact everyone. Um, but this transformation there, the transformation at uh, at Salt and Stall, at Salt and Stall, we're talking seventeen million dollars. Um, that's what we would be looking at uh, for Walking Court, double that. Uh, for Lapre, uh, I'm sorry, but I don't have an estimate on that yet. Um, but we're working on it. Uh, so that um, this is this is transformational. It is. And so that we've got to understand that and we've got to focus on that. And so that while we still need to um, take care of Mrs. Smith's gasket, no question about it, um, that gasket is, is $18.76. I'm just throwing that price out. Um, but when we talk about what we're doing at Walkman Court or what we're doing here at, at Salt and Stall, um, that's over $200 million that we're looking to try to address. Um, there aren't a lot of housing authorities that are doing that now in the state of Massachusetts. So, uh, you know, I want people to look at us. I want people to look at uh, the authority. I want people to recognize um, the skills on the board and know that, you know what, boy, maybe we should look at what MedFit's doing and, and, and see if we can't copy what they're doing. And that's one of the, one of the selling points that we've sold to, um, to DHCD because, and I'm not going to go into it now because I've spoken long enough, but the innovation that we have and the abilities that we have to utilize Walkling, it would be a shame if we weren't able to go forward um, because this is an extraordinarily unique way to be able to do this. And it will, it will hold the, um, 
the authority out as as an example of uh, exemplary work. Madam Chair, I took enough time. Um, that's all I have for, for <clears> today. Uh, if there are any questions, I'd be more than happy to answer them. Are we going to have Thank to uh, repeat that uh, word for word? Madam Chair, Madam Chair, Madam Chair, Madam one moment, <laughs> Jeff. I just want to say thank you for that because to me that was a breath of fresh air to take us out of all of the small business that we talk about that does build up to these larger picture and the so what of the work that you and the staff have been working on to understand how this context that you've just shared with us related to these goals, how it all is connected. So I just want to um, acknowledge that uh, a tremendous amount of work has definitely happened and obviously it's still happening and to continue to just keep keep us in the picture, the whole picture um, as we move forward, particularly because of like what you're saying, we're going to be repositioning, we're going to be operating in more of a different way and your word of transformation um, for sure is something that's already started. So um, yeah. go ahead, Losa and then uh, Michael Longo. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, Jeff, I, I just want to touch real quick on two two things, two points that um, a key point of your um, uh, presentation. One of them was um, the um, police uh, um, presence on the uh, on, on 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 the premises. Is that at times um, I wish that I. Because I'm out there being at Willis, so I'm always out there. And many of times that go by, I don't see them. I don't see them at all. They don't drive through or don't make no drive through at all. So um, I don't know if we're still paying them for their presence on, on the, you know, for their um, continuous services. But there are times I don't see them throughout the whole entire day. I don't know if they do it more in the afternoon, overnight. I don't know. The second thing is that I want to ask um, is that I know in the past that when we have, because you mentioned about the lockout, when a tenant has a lockout, if it's done off hours, they will be charged for it, which I understand it should happen. But usually the first lockout, usually there's a pass. They give them a pass. But they, if it, there's a second or third, after hours, they are being charged for the lockout. But what about during the day when uh, the authority is open, operational, and if they have a lockout, why are they still being charged for lockout if if it's not you know we're not getting somebody out of their home to come if if maintenance is right there on the premises? Well, so um, a couple of things. First off, let me address the first issue and the police details. Um, without giving a lot of uh, specificity, um, the the police details that we pay for are um, geared more towards the the time of the day where they would um, where there have been issues. Um, there have been times, um, for example, that we put on additional um, police. Fourth uh, of July, um, there were some issues um, at the site. Um, at Willis, uh, we had a, we had uh, put on extra police details. Then um, the regular police details that we have, um, as I said, they've been impacted by the pandemic, 
and that um, with the inability at times to cover those details, um, what you see with the drive-throughs are um, um, during the day are those are more likely the um, patrols um, who are assigned to that sector, um, that area, and so okay. that uh, they may be they may be driving through not for the purpose of um, anything dealing with the housing authority, but they may be looking for someone or something. Um, I know that in my experience with the police um, and, and just recently at Willis, um, they were able to come across someone based upon a plate, a license plate that was there um, that they further investigated. So um, I think what you're seeing or not seeing is because, you know, they may be at some other area within the sector. Um, but our, our patrols are, um, um, they're very effective. And it was in a meeting with the, um, the detectives um, that they recommended that um, we start to stagger those um, based on time and based on day because the, the housing authority traditionally had had the police patrols at certain times and um, the residents all knew that so that they were um, able to, um, you know, the, the individuals who were going to cause problems knew that this was the time to do it. Um, and we've also, um, you know, we've also worked with them on a, on a number of different initiatives. So um, as far as the lockouts are concerned, um, there's no there's no pass for that first lockout after hours. Um, I can tell you that um, no one gets a free one. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, and maintenance is very upset with this insofar as um, they're getting called to come out in the middle of a, um, they're there in a snowstorm, but in, in the middle of a rainstorm, um, because one of our residents, the, um, the daughter in Somerville, didn't want to drive over in a rainstorm. Uh, the gentleman who was on call had to drive in and um, unlock it. And so um, what we're trying to do is, what we're trying to do is have a buddy system, in particular in our um, elderly developments, where the residents can end up using uh, uh, their next-door neighbor to um, be able to let them in, or a friend. Uh, you'd be surprised at the number of relatives we have um, living in, a, in our buildings. Um, we're looking to try to do that. Um, we have just recently taken away the keys to the main door um, because of some abuses, and um, people are using the, um, the fobs now because we can, control, we can control people coming and going. Um, the keys were, were being duplicated and given to folks. Um, we've got one unit where the woman was away for two months, whether she was in the hospital or something such as that. Um, her grandson was living there, and he destroyed the unit. There's thousands of dollars worth of damage that the woman is responsible for. We don't, we don't want to see that. So um, yeah. the, the lockup today, um, one of the issues that we're, we're trying to work on, Losa, is that when um, there's a lockout at Canal, um, there's nobody there. Or there's a lockout at Fellsway. There's no one there. We have to take someone from one of the other sites and have them drive over there to open up that door. Um, and, and the argument that I get from maintenance is, you know, we're taking away this person, for example, from Lepree for him to have to go open a door at, at Fellsway. Um, we're still massaging that, and I can't give you a definitive answer as to how we're going to resolve that. Um, but you know what? If that if that maintenance guy is is on site. I don't have a problem with that. If the maintenance guy is is um, is always usually a maintenance person assigned to the, to the larger sites like Saltonstall, I don't have a problem with him going up and opening the door and not charging. Um, but what used to happen is they used to come down to the office 
and expect the office to let them in, and the office doesn't do that anymore. You know, they, they're not they're not doing that. So that's one of the areas that we're still trying to work out to see how how that's going to work. Um, I don't know that there have been. Um, I haven't seen any charges for anyone um, during the day yet, um, but I don't necessarily see all the charges. Um, but I do see the the after hour calls. I see all of those. And and let me just make a point of that. Um, the after hour calls we get. Um, are between 60 and 80 every day. I should, excuse me, the, the, the calls we get, I shouldn't say after hour. The answering service calls that we get for 24-hour period are between 60 and 80 each day. So, Losa, I hope I answered mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I, and I thank you. I don't blame, I, I mean, I agree with you if, if the person's calling for a lockout in the middle of the night. And yes, they should be get charged for that. Yes, because you get in the person that's on call. They could be somewhere else. Oh, you know, sometimes you on call. I used to work at night on being on call. I'm keeping my finger crossed. Nobody calls. <laughs> right. So yeah, thank you. You're welcome, Michael. Yes, uh, Madam Chairman, uh, to you, Jeff. Let's get back to the police. Uh, they patrol the uh, the development, right? Uh, supposedly. Yes. Okay. Yes, they do. What, what do we pay the police? Oh, we pay them their rate um, plus a plus a um, an administrative fee. Um, I believe I believe. Don't hold me to this, Michael, because I don't have it in front of me. But I believe the total amount that's budgeted is around thirty thousand dollars. And I don't believe that we have reached that we've even come near that budget in any of the last few years. We, we're, well, we get a pretty good crowd buck. So, what are they? What are they? They're supposed to what? Drive through the developments? What, uh, they walk the, them. I'm they walk sorry. Them. They're, they're, they they're walk them. Getting, they're supposed to be getting out of their cars and walk them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Saying, leave that I'm one. I'll believe that one, Jeff, and I'll tell you another one. Yeah. I'm not, I'm That's a good one, too, Michael. I agree with you. I've never seen that done yet. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that they're going to walk uh, at Willis and at LaPree, um, but they are supposed to be making their presence felt at, at the elderly sites. And I, oh, do know the, I do know some of the, the offices that I've spoken with, um, in particular at Willis, have gotten out and walked the site. So, and I also know that um, that happens at Lapree. Now, does every police officer do that? That I can't tell you. Um, I don't know that. But I do know from the reports that I see, um, there are folks who are um, are doing that. And and I know in the meetings that I've been in, um, the discussion was about um, getting out and and being in the buildings. Now, um, I can tell you, Michael, just so you'll know that we've gotten complaints uh, from a specific site about um, ongoing criminal activity. And right. for, a period, for a period of, um, I'm going to say, two months, um, I participated in a month. Uh, for a month's period of time, um, I was at that site um, on a different night um, every week. Um, and I walked that site. And I paid particular attention to make sure that I went in there um, uh, disguised, so nobody knew who I was. I parked up in the uh, the church or the school parking lot uh, and walked down, and mm. um, no one knew who I was. And there was no activity going on. 
Um, nothing that I could see, nothing that I could smell. Um, and I paid particular attention to apartments that were that were under suspicion. Um, the Arlo cameras that we have um, are being utilized in in uh, numerous department, uh, numerous um, developments. Excuse me. Um, and those also tell us uh, stories as far as where things are, are going on. Um, and uh, mind you that the um, the detectives are uh, very much aware of of um, the complaints that are received. And what I've said, I made this very clear to the residents, I made it very clear to the city, and I made it very clear to the police department that we will act whenever it is that um, that they can verify there's something going on. Um, but unless we can verify it, or unless the police verify it, merely supposition doesn't allow us to go forward. Jeff, let me ask another question. You were, you were, <clears throat> excuse me, even you were over in Somerville for a number of years. Yes, sir. They have a terrific uh, uh, security system. Do they also have security guards in Somerville? No, they actually, they actually have a police force. They okay. Have a police force. Yeah, right. yeah, like Boston, right? So right. why in, in in Malden? I mean, why are you so adamant of being opposed to having security, even if we had them in the senior buildings? You know, the the, the Saltonstall, the Weldon, uh, uh, Camponi, Canal. I mean, wh why? I mean, you've been around a long time, Jeff, and I can't understand. I can give you cities: Malden, Everett. I mean, they have. They have security. I mean, why? Why are you so much opposed to that, Jeff? And I, I can name just as many, Michael, if not more. Um, well, no, we're, talking, we're not going to talk. Uh, we're not going to talk the town of Somerset. We're going to talk Fall River, New Bedford, Taunton, Lowell, Springfield, Lemonster, Chicopee, Holyoke, so all the cities. The, the, the cities where you have most of the most of the problems. I mean, I, I just don't understand. I, I really, you know, that's been my my uh, thing. We had it for years, even before we had it back 20, 30 years ago. And, and uh, it, it, did, it, did, it did the trick. Uh, I don't want to say the trick, but it did the uh, it, it did what it was supposed to do. I mean, Michael. I, again, you've been around a long time, Jeff. And you know, this is my peeve, this and the smoking and the drugs, and I know it's going to get worse. When they start opening up these uh, uh, marijuana centers, uh, and uh, I, I mean, you have a camera. Somerville, they have their own police department. I mean, the Somerville Housing Authority, right? That's right. Michael, and let me then, address something. Let me address something you said. First off, um, uh, I don't relate what what I do um, during the day to where I live at night. Um, so there's no basis of comparison there. Um, what does that have to do with what we're discussing? I mean, I, why, why does that come Because you brought it up. Because you what did I bring up? You what you, you do said it was not Somerset. It's not I Somerset, can't. and I understand that. Well, I use that I as can. a okay, Fall River or Fairhaven. Let's not say Somerset. Can I respond, Michael? Sure I thing. Know one of your I know one of your concerns, Michael, has always been the use of the security, the surveillance system. Um, I sat in many a meeting years ago um, when um, John Coddington was reluctant to do anything with the security system. Um, well, I embraced. I embraced he, he did it temporarily. He, he did it. We did it with him temporarily. 
We did have security with him for a while. Are you aware of that? I'm talking about surveillance. I'm talking, talking about, about what? Surveillance, the cameras. Right, you the and cameras. John, you and John had gone at it on a number of occasions. But regardless right. of that, regardless of that, Michael, we are adequately protected based upon having the police force doing what they're doing. We don't need to have an individual drive around and just appear at the different sites at the same time with the lights flashing or without the lights flashing. No, let me let me interrupt you. No, Michael. You are, you no, he is. Yeah, yeah, listen. I'm a commissioner. Okay? You are well, you listen, trying to answer you, the question. You listen to me, Jeff, for a minute. We listened to you for almost an hour. Now you listen to me for a minute. Go ahead, Michael. I'll listen to you. You know what I when I said Somerset, it wasn't to to, to give you the give you the dig, okay? I'm talking town, okay. Wellington, Cooksbury, uh, Most of your cities, large cities, have some type of security, and it may only be for four or five hours or whatever, okay? What do they do down in Fall River, Jeff? I mean, I'm not, I'm not being a wise guy. What are they doing in Fall they, River? Do they have to, they have it's to, my understanding. Can I, can I answer? Can I, you ask me a question. Can I answer? Yep. Go ahead. Right my ahead. It's my understanding they use the city police force. But I don't know that for certain, but it's my understanding that's what they use, the city police force. But what about New Bedford? Oh, Michael, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't it's not it's it's like a neighborhood. What about none? City police force. What about Lowell? Lowell, as, as, as does Brockton, or as did well, Brockton. I know, I, know Malden, I know for a fact Malden does, and they have a very good one, very good security system. And Malden maybe a little larger than us as far as uh, uh, apartments, but they have a very good. Call Steve Finn; he'll tell you. Everett, which is Michael, in my opinion, and this is where you and I differ, in my opinion, the sites are secure and that when we know there's an issue, we address it and that there's not, an, and I want to make sure, this is a public meeting, there's not an ongoing crime problem in our sites as they are today. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't reflect the community where there are issues on our sites that are reflective of what goes on in the community. But there's no increased need for us to have more security than what we have right now. Now, something could happen tonight. Something could happen tomorrow night. I understand that. But they're more isolated than anything. Michael, you are aware and I am aware that there are complaints that come in from one site more so than all of the remainder of the sites. Let's put that to rest. I haven't heard from that particular person for about five months, so put that aside, okay? I don't talk to her. I don't talk to her, okay? So you can't tell me. What about Laprieva's problems? Willis Adler's problems? But I'm talking the seniors more so than the, the family developments. I just don't understand it. I mean, it, it, it's not that we're talking a half a million dollars surplus. It's not like a money issue. It's not like you're going to have someone there from, like, 24-7. You put someone on at 7 o'clock at night and they leave at 
midnight, you know, you do that three or four nights a week. That's not a big deal. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we get into this this thing all the time, you and me. And uh, you know, to be honest with you, I'm sick and tired of it. And I'm sure you are listening to me. I mean, you've done a fair, great job. You you, you spent an hour telling us what what you you know what what's been done, and it's all great, positive. And I'm I'm going to put on the agenda for next month, and I'll put it to a vote about hiring security. Okay. So well, you I'll, you will not. You, Michael, you'll not have my recommendation for that. But uh, you know what? It's up to the board. It's up to the board. That's right. It's up to the board. And there's four other members. Right. And we'll put them on count. We'll, we'll let them see what they do. Okay? That's what we did under Coddington. We did it to a vote, and he did it for a number of months. So, okay, I'll let you go. You've been busy. You've, you've talked a lot tonight. You've gave us some great information and so on and so forth. But that's been bugging the hell out of me, and you know that. When I when I see these Michael, other cities that are similar to the size of Medford, Michael, I respect you. I respect you, and I respect your opinion. In this in this case here, um, I just differ with your opinion. That's all. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Madam okay. Chairman. Thank you. Move on. Any other questions regarding update on executive director goals, as reported by Jeff? No. Great. So the one thing that I would just um, ask, uh, Jeff, if you could please share with us what those goals are again so we could have that for reference next time. Because I know you didn't cover all of the goals that you had um, developed some time ago, a year or two ago. So it would be nice for us yeah. to, be able to have that to follow along. Yeah, I can do that. What I did was I actually went off of a, um, a report that I had previously. And so I have to look back at the original um, documentation that we had dating back to 2017. There were some, um, Judgiana, that I did not include in, um, for example, um, the, all the objectives. Uh, a good number of those objectives have been reached. Um, uh, for example, hiring a, uh, an individual to do the rent calculations and, um, you know, some of the things such as that. We passed all those. So I didn't include all the objectives. That's why I went goal by goal. Um, and I'll look to see if there are any additional goals. But I didn't, um, like I said, I went off my last report that I had given to you, to the board, and that was actually in 2018. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I'll look at that. That's not a problem. Yeah, that Barbara, we can follow yeah, Bob, if you can make a note of that so that um, um, we go forward with that for the next meeting. Sure. Okay. And, and Michael indicated that he wants to discuss security at the next meeting, so um, we can put that on the agenda also. We, we don't need a board vote for that. Okay. Thank you. So if we don't have any more questions about the update executive director goals and progress report for this fiscal year, I'll take a motion to close this item. I'll make a motion to close it. I'll second it. Item F. Thank you. All in favor, roll call vote. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. So we're on to board business item G, resources for households that are or may become housing insecure or homeless. Um, so I, I put this item on the agenda. As we all know, the moratorium um, has listed around eviction 
for non-paid rent because due to COVID and I believe the federal regulation is due to expire at the end of this month. So I was really curious to know what resources we're sharing with our residents. And then related to that, I'm curious to have an update as to how are we faring when it comes to being able to retain our residents and or the evictions process. Madam Chair, may I? Yes. Okay. Um, we, um, I spoke at length with um, um, the residents, Director of Resident Services, and she indicated that there are, um, they utilize counseling and they utilize outside, um, outside agencies um, for um, housing issues. Um, I, I have given you that, I think it's on page 28, 4G, um, 20, where um, there are emergency priorities in state. Um, the answers are somewhat limited. Um, we utilize ABCD, um, the Mystic Valley Elder Services, uh, Homeless Prevention Program. Um, those are good, um, and I think Michael Lewis will, will agree with me, those are good um, when you have someone who be facing some um, homelessness, um, but we need for the resident to be willing to uh, participate with us um, to prevent that homelessness. Um, Housing Family Inc., Families Inc., uh, Jana Stafford is the attorney um, uh, at that agency. She's excellent. Um, we have an excellent cooperative working relationship with her. And uh, Barbara has indicated um, Metro Housing Boston, um, we utilize also. Um, we also um, encourage the residents, um, or I should say um, the applicants um, who are in immediate need of housing um, to not only fill out one of our public housing applications, the, section, the um, state, um, but also to um, fill out a Section 8 application. Um, I, I indicated earlier I had a, I had a meeting um, with the folks in Washington um, just recently, the Fodder folks, and um, one of the um, initiatives, from what I understand, with uh, President-elect Biden is um, to make um, a subsidy, um, an entitlement, similar to um, Social Security, if you may. Um, and the discussion was how that would work, or more importantly, how it wouldn't work. Um, because just because someone has a subsidy doesn't mean that they're going to get housing. Um, and we find that with our Section 8 participants. In order to lease up 100 folks, um, we have pulled um, in one, in one um, segment of, of our process, we pulled 1,250 um, applicants. We pulled more than that to get over 100 just leased up. Um, and in many cases, it's because they can't find the affordable housing. So, um, Madam Chair, um, it, it, it's not easy for folks who are facing homelessness or who are, in fact, homeless. Uh, one of the things that we provided with them also is, and we've drafted this, and this goes out to the residents. You can see it's actually highlighted that the sheet that we give out is um, those highlights are bright yellow, so they'll see where they can go. Um, they can go to uh, for rental assistance. They can go rent, um, to prevent a, an eviction. Um, the RAP program, um, that sometimes is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that sometimes is limited uh, based upon the family's income. Um, and there's also um, the Housing Families Inc., as I said, um, James Stafford at, um, at that agency is, is um, very, very helpful. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, we don't have a homeless coordinator uh, on staff. 
Um, we don't have someone who does uh, housing search. Um, and, and there's a reason for that, and that's because there are agencies out there who do a much better job than we do, and I referenced just some of them a few minutes ago. That's all I have, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions about this? So otherwise, I can take a motion to close this item. Take a motion. I made the motion to close it. I'll second it. All in favor, roll call. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Janvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so at this time, I will take any motions to table any items under board business. I do recognize we have the rest of our meeting and we are been meeting for three hours. It's been a very jam-packed conversation. So is there any items remaining in board business that we either want to table or you want to speak, talk about tonight, please let me know because I'll entertain any motions for tabling items at this time. Madam Chairman, if I may, uh, I for one would like to discuss number, uh, uh, not number, but letter N. And there's a Nancy. As in uh, Navy, right. Okay. So are you proposing tabling items H through M? No, oh, I'm not. No? Do I have any proposals for tabling any of the remaining board business items? <coughs> okay, then we'll continue. Uh, H. H. All right, so H, updates on family self-sufficiency programs. So again, that information is included in our packet, so thank you about that. Um, I'll take any questions or comments before I make mine about what was presented there regarding our enrollment, our retention, and graduation rates from the self-sufficiency program. If there aren't any questions, I'll move approval. I just have one quick question is, um, the total numbers in our program seem low to me, but I don't have any context to understand how our program is doing in terms of like proportional numbers of residents who could be eligible to participate. We're limited to 40. Oh, we so, are? Uh, yes, we're, we're allocated only 40 so that we cannot uh, go beyond 40. Um, I can't tell you why at this present time there are four, but um, it does say 36. Uh, I, and I don't know why there are four that are, are vacant. Um, Sandra uh, Reiniger does a great job for us. And um, I think the board will recall that um, last year I reported to the board that the Housing Authority was the top-ranked uh, family self-sufficiency program in the nation. Okay, well, thank you for that reminder. So good to know that there's a cap. I didn't realize that. Yes. Uh, I'll make a second. Okay. All in favor, roll call. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Great. 
Board Business Eye update on the Home Ownership Services Program, Enrollments, Matching Assets, Graduations, and Persistence and Participation. So thank you again for including that information. Is there also a cap for participation in these programs? That um, we refer out. Um, we do not have a home ownership program per se. Um, we do have three units that were at some point in time in the distant past um, in a home ownership program that are uh, that are administered not by us but are administered. I believe it's Win. Um, and um, we have um, very little oversight in that. Um, we do not have a home ownership program um, so that uh, resident services will uh, refer them out um, in particular to, um, I believe it's Somerville, um, as Somerville does have a, uh, well, here it says it um, on the third bullet point. It says they uh, work with Somerville and Revere's uh, Section 8 home ownership program. Okay. For the sake of time, I won't deep in, dive into this conversation because I but I have more questions. But I can um, wait for another day to discuss those. So uh, for I, now, I'll, I'll just add real quickly. I mean, I would love to be able to have the opportunity for folks to transition into a home ownership uh, opportunity. Um, it's just not anything that has has ever been discussed or presented prior to this. So um, I, I'm not adverse to this. Okay, so maybe we'll just revisit it later more fully. So for now, this is just where we are. Yes. So I'll take a motion unless there are any other questions around this topic. I'll make a motion to close. Second. So is that Losa and then Michael? Yes. Yes. Okay. All in favor, roll call. Commissioner Chevry. Commissioner Janvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Board Business J, update on signatures on file acknowledging MHA statement on racism. So how many signatures do we have on file as of December 15, 2020? Um, I have about yeah. Yep. I'm going to defer to the person who will know that, who's who's the all-knowing person in the office, Miss Vivian. Um, hello. I would say we have about 90% of the administrative staff who's returned it. There are um, two employees that have been out sick, um, but I'm sure that they will um, sign and return. Uh, the maintenance staff was given a hard copy. They don't. I don't email them their email address because they just have the handheld. So I'm waiting for their physical copies to come back. They were distributed um, by the director of maintenance and I'm waiting for those to come in. So it's a good response. I do have one back from one commissioner. And do we have a deadline by which we want those signed? And I'm asking this because before we could actually move forward on the actionable items in there, we would want all of our staff to have read and signed so that at least everyone's on the same starting page. I believe the date for return was last Friday, so there's still a couple straggling in. Okay, so, so like can, by our January board meeting, presumably everyone should have. Yep. 
Right. Would you like to? We could put it back on there. I can give you an update at that time. Okay. That sounds great. Okay. Sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Madam Chairman, if I may, uh, Barbara, I can put that in the mail slot of my end? Yeah, sure. That all right? Uh, I can get it tomorrow if you'd like when I when I bring over the, the paper to be signed. Are you going to do that? All right. I'll, I'll hold on to it. And... Okay. Wait, wait for you to come by then, if you. Sure. Want. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. I have it here, all ready to go. Yeah. We we have to that's sign the other one, right, uh, Barbara? The one the the uh, what we're signing tomorrow is the uh, five top employees. Five top. Yeah, the yes. five. five. Correct. I'll move approval of uh, that. Uh, what is it, Jay? Yes. Yes. I'll second it. All in favor, roll call. Bob, will you have some copies with you for us to sign? Sure. Uh, okay, because I got a massive, massive paperwork here. Roll call, Commissioner Chevry? Yes. Commissioner Janvier? Yes. Commissioner Lewis? Yes. Commissioner Luongo? Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Board business item K, organizational chart 2018 and 2020. So I didn't see that in the board pack, so I was just wondering if that was just an oversight or what happened. That was an oversight. Exactly. I, I did print it out. I did give it to um, Mr. Dristel. He did give it back to me, and I... Um, Neglected to put it in the board packet, and I apologize. Okay. Can we can we table that if you want to discuss it for the next meeting, or I'd like I think no. so because when there's no way to discuss it tonight without everyone having those to look at. All right. I'm making a motion to table item K. Thank you. The table in K. Yep, yeah. so that everyone can get a copy, and so we'll look at it in January. Okay. I need a second. I'll move approval to table it. No one else. So Mike, seconding it. Okay, all in favor, roll call, please. Commissioner Sheffrey. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Board business item L. We're almost to the end. COVID cases in Medford. So as I think many of you have seen, I think I circulated the article that was in the Boston Globe about the significant rising in cases of COVID in positive cases in Medford. So it made me wonder what, if anything, um, um, is the Housing Authority thinking about regarding safety and health and wellness of our community as cases continue to rise? We, we have mm -hmm. In Medford, it, it went up a bit, unfortunately, mm -hmm. according to the latest news. <clears throat> Madam oh, Chairman, may I? Yes. In regard to um, COVID cases, um, as a report that's saying that, unfortunately, 
the with the rising um cases all of us now you know are you know at risk of catching this if we're not careful what right. i have noticed some of our um if we want <clears throat> our residents and the visitors that come on our premises to follow the protocol with you know having the wearing the mask at all time when they are on the premises i would like to see uh and you know personnel um maintenance or management to also make sure that they have their masks on and are wearing them properly me personally when i leave my house as soon as i step out my door until i enter my car my mask is on Right. Once I once I close my door, I remove it, and wherever else I go, I do the same thing. I would like to see. Unfortunately, I have noticed that they, at times there are individuals who are, you know, housing um, workers who represent. And if you want our residents and the residents to actually follow this simple, you know, protocol, we have to lead by example. Absolutely. Madam, Madam Chairman, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Joseph. And, and, and the managers, let me ask you, Jeff. The managers that are in their uh, their their, uh, their buildings, uh, shouldn't they be able to tell someone if they're not abide by abide by the rules to do so? In other words, if someone's one of the developers, yeah. so even in your building, even in the salt and salt, walking around with yes. all the masks. Yes, Michael. They're, they're, they do tell folks. Um, it's a constant battle that we have. Um, yeah. There are some residents who just refuse to do that. Um, to Losa's point, Losa, um, if you feel comfortable telling me who that is um, or who they are that are doing that, um, I will see that that's addressed immediately. They've all been put on notice, not only from me, um, but from their immediate supervisors, um, that they are uh, to be wearing a mask at all times. Um, when they're on housing authority property, and that doesn't mean only when they're in a unit, it means all times. Um, they Thank need you. To be, um, no, no question about it. So um, you let me know, and, and I'll make sure that that happens. Um, Michael, I will definitely let you know. Please. The managers, Michael, complained to me that there are folks who are not um, following through with wearing the masks. Um, I get calls from residents, and uh, the managers follow up on that. Um, I have stopped people uh, from coming into the building without a mask on. Um, I've told people when they're outside um, walking by in our parking lot, they don't come through unless there's a, unless they have a mask on. They're not even residents. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I can understand someone jumping out of their car, walking 10 feet and saying, oh, I forgot my mask and going back. I've seen people do that all the time, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, but yet, you know, um, one of one of our residents at um, – uh, one of the residents at one of our sites um, who um, always, always religiously wears wears their mask. Um, I got a call over the weekend that um, their sister had called and said that um, they had fallen two times, taken been taken to the hospital, and they were diagnosed with COVID. Um, mm. I know this person. I, I see them all the time. And um, the sister wanted to, to alert us to the fact that um, they had come in contact with another resident. Uh, I spent 
a good, not a good portion, but I spent time on my weekend, Saturday and Sunday, reaching out to that, that, uh, that neighbor and never got a call back, never got a call back. Um, and I left a message for them to call me on myself. Um, I got a, I, I saw a call, um, that came into the, um, the office, um, yesterday, uh, from this woman saying that she was quarantining for 14 days. Um, you know, we, we try to go above and beyond to help folks, but, you know, I had this discussion earlier today, and that is, you know, people say you're infringing on my rights. So, well, Bill, it was with Bill just before 6 o'clock, before the meeting started. Um, people think that, that we're infringing upon their rights, but they can't smoke in a, in a restaurant. They can't drive drunk. They can't drive 70 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. So, you know, it's no different. It's no different, but it's difficult to make people understand. Barbara Vivian will tell you how many times she's posted um, we put signs up on the doors. We we yeah, bought signs and we put them up at the sites. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just you know we can't be everywhere, unfortunately. But we can control. To Los's point, we can control the people who work for us. Jeff, let me say this now. I know the managers now. Let's say, let's say tomorrow, Joe Smith is not wearing his mask, and the manager says, uh, uh, "Mr. Smith, you have to wear your mask." Now, Mr. Smith refuses to wear a mask. Can he be written up? Can he be fined? Can we can we do a, a thing like a fine if, uh, after so many notices if Mr. Smith after three times is told to wear a mask and he doesn't? Can we do? Where are they trying to do it? Are they in New York or somewhere? Are they fining people? Or is that is that doable? Or is that you know? The city, New Hampshire. New Hampshire is doing it. Is it New Hampshire? The city, the, yeah. The city or state might can do that. We can't do that. We can't do that? No. You know, the hard part is making somebody wear that mask. Some of these people have been watching television for the past nine months, and they think it's a hoax, and uh, it's going to miraculously go away, and it was all uh, some phony stuff that was written up that never could happen. And they believe it. And I got a sister and a brother that believe it. I'm like, what are you thinking about? Think, um, think about it. Uh, uh, um, to the point is that it's not just people entering, walking into the building. On the family side, if you are uh, maintenance personnel or if you management, you're walking on the site. You have, I mean, you have to keep remember this thing is airborne. If someone walked by you and they had it and it still lingers and you walk through and there, there goes where you get exposed. Because right. it stays in the air for a bit. It's just like if you are on, also on family properties, either if it's Willis, if it's Lepree, if you are, if you want the residents to follow through, and if I'm able to approach one of my uh, um, neighbors and say, "Hey, excuse me, you have to have your mask on," but if they see that you know housing um, maintenance or, or somebody else is not doing it while they're walking on the property walking through the property they're not gonna do it yeah now can, can we uh, getting in i don't want to prolong this is there something in other words if this person is told by the manager three different times can is there something we can do or uh, the authority can they do something they're breaking the law uh, is there a, you know, i mean i it's especially in in these tight quarters like uh you know even yeah. uh, you know, any, any of the developments i mean especially at the uh, 
you know, Camponi, Weldon Man, yeah, any of those, uh, even uh, the yard building, I mean, the main building. I mean, this is a, it's a terrible, awful situation. And, and like I say, things are they're spiking, unfortunately. You know, here in Medford, just the last two weeks, they're just one of the two of the restaurants because they had a get-together yeah. there, I guess, just before Thanksgiving, and a couple of people come down. They closed the Razzos. They closed Michelli's. Now they're open. But you know, this is a serious problem. I mean, geez, especially for old people like me <laughs> and but anybody. And that's this. Not just old people like you, uh, uh, Michael. I people like me who have underlying uh, um, medical issues. Yep. I have right. underlying medical issues, so I'm also at high risk. So I, I don't. Right. I'm very careful for me and yep. my family. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 really scary. My 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 granddaughters live downstairs. They come up and they're, they're in one room and we're in the other. I mean. You, I mean, we we abide by it, and everybody should do it, and especially in our buildings. I mean, they're not supposed to smoke. If they smoke three or four times after they're told, can you give them a notice, Jeff? Is that doable? Or? Mike, it's our ultimate avenue to pursue against someone is that if they breach the um, the terms of the lease, is to take them to court and evict them. And okay. at this at this point in time, we have difficulty now. And don't think I haven't thought of this. Uh, okay. And that is, one of their responsibilities is to abide by the policies of the authority. So right. if the authority uh, sets a policy that everyone has to uh, um, wear wear a mask and people don't, well, then technically we could probably argue that they're in violation of the lease. Um, is that going to go anywhere? Probably not. Well, maybe it'll scale them. Maybe, maybe it's enough to... You know, tell them. You know, tell them that you mean business, and even though it's not going to happen, oh, I don't know. But anyway, listen, we've been here long enough, so I just don't want to prolong the thing. But Los is right, and I, I'm sure all of us are on the same same page. You know, just uh, some people just don't want to do it. I guess, and it'll be the innocent people that get get have the problem. But anyway, that's a lot of peace. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Hello? Yeah, Hello? are we? Oh, we are we all there? <laughs> are you awake? <laughs> I'm falling asleep. <laughs> oh, no, come here. <laughs> so are you saying that you want to take it to a motion to close this item? Are we done discussing? I didn't know if others had comments or questions about what are we doing with the rise, right? So I understand you're struggling. The housing authority is doing everything they can. Um, I guess I'm curious about is there any thoughts about going back to the restricted access that we had at the beginning because of these rising cases, or is there something you're just kind of monitoring and we'll have to make a decision at a later point? Yeah, I think you're gonna have, we're going to have to make a decision at a later point. And the reason why we did it last time was because the city had put forth um, the restrictions. So we, we did it based upon um, their actions. Um, I have to tell you that it was a huge inconvenience um, for our, our residents who are abiding um, by the mask requirement. Um, you know, Michael makes a good point, and that is that you know, the residents just have to understand that um, they have to be wearing the masks. And um, to Los's point, you know, it's not just the older folks, but most of the people that we have in our elderly site. It, they have some sort of uh, underlying condition. 
Um, yep. Not only the elderly, but I'm talking about the younger folks, the, the folks who are disabled. So the individual I was referencing a few minutes ago was a, um, a disabled individual, a younger person. Um, and you would think they would they would do that, but some of the folks are just um, unwilling. Um, we've worked closely with the Board of Health. Um, I got a call the other day from a resident saying that um, uh, another resident in her building was planning on having a get-together on, um, on, on Christmas in her apartment, and this resident was scared. Um, well, if you look at the, um, the requirements of the, uh, from the governor, um, you know, people can have people over. Um, they don't necessarily encourage it, but they can. Um, but there, there's still the, the number limitations. Um, we don't have any ability to, um, to address that. You know, there, there, um, if, if it's a threat to the people who are living there, um, if it's a violation of a pol or a violation of a policy, um, we might be able to do something. But you know what? If the governor's not going to restrict people, the mayor isn't going to restrict people. It's difficult for us to then restrict people, even no, though we do control our own domain. You know like what I happened? Said, it was a I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, what happened? Uh, actually, uh, there was a, a, a family down in West Medford that had a, a, a big gathering, and I, I, I thought I read where the the police went in and did something about that. Some there was a big gathering just before our Thanksgiving. With some family down in West Medford, they fined them five hundred dollars. What's that? They were fined. They were fined five hundred dollars. That's right. That's right. Yep, you're right. That's right. Yep, five hundred dollars. So uh, whether they get it or not, but any right, that's just what it was. Five hundred dollars. Anyways, I think we've uh, discussed this. Do you want to table the next three items of the next month, uh, Madam Chairman? Do we have three items left? Which three items are you discussing? Talking about? M and, M and N. We have M and N left. Two items we have left. M and M. Uh, yeah. M and N. Yeah. Huh? M. Not sure what M and M. I'm not really sure what M is. About. Item M and item N. That's what's left on the board business. Well, did, did we discuss K? We tabled. We did. K. We're tabling. We're tabling we tabled. That. We tabled. Didn't so we get that in our packet, point. so we'll get in our packet next month. That's right. So we um, could table M and I, N. No. M yeah, and Mary, I'm not sure what that's for because I don't, no one mentioned to me what that is. So if I think it actually could just come off the agenda. That was Commissioner Luongo who had asked us to put that on there. Okay. Um, Michael, do you Go ahead, I'm sorry. What? Oh, we need a vote for L. Sorry. So I need a vote to close item L, COVID cases in Medford. I'll I'll make I'll a motion to close uh I'll second it. I don't know. Motion by Commissioner Lewis and seconded by Commissioner Shenbeer, so all in favor roll call. Yes, Commissioner Shevery. Yes. Commissioner Shenbeer. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Okay, so now board business M as in Mary, board meeting recording. We're, we're, uh, there's a motion to table that and N. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, so I'll entertain a motion for both to table items M as in Mary and N as in Nancy. Michael Wong will make a motion that we uh, table 
M and N. I'll second it. Oh, Melissa, you got me. You beat me on that one. <laughs> All right. All in favor, roll call vote. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. And I'd like to wish everybody a happy and safe Christmas and all holidays. We're not done. 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 we Yep, I was a young man when I came into this meeting. Well, no, wait, I didn't realize Barbara wasn't home, so we need to wrap this up. So we're on item six, which is the executive director report. So, Jeff, do you have any other additional um, items that you would need to share with us this evening that you haven't already shared? So, um, I, don't, I don't want Bill Young to get any older than he He's already showed us his whole life story in the past three hours. Well, what else is he going to say? <laughs> um, I, I will. I will. Um, I, we gave you the report, and you can take a look at them. So I, I would ask that the board close this, also. Okay, so I'll take a motion. To close the executive director report. I'll, I'll make a motion. I think that was um, and John and Losa. Was that who I heard? Yeah, and then. Michael Lewis. Yes. So, okay. So, Lisa, motion. Michael Lewis, second. All in favor, roll call. Yes. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. <laughs> Okay, item seven, public input. Barbara, do we have anyone for public input who's hanging around? There's nobody in the... There's nobody here. If we, if we, if we did, they're all gone. <laughs> I'll take a motion to close public input. I'll make a motion. Thank you. Look at this. Thank you. And all in Commissioner, Commissioner Hi. Hi. Who, who did the yes. second? Um, Losa did. Thank you. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> Item eight. Thank you. Item eight, old business discussion bylaws of the Medford Housing Authority. I'll actually take a motion for that because I don't think that material is in our board packet either. I'll make a yeah, motion. I'll second that. Cool. Can I ask a question on the discussion? And, and that is, does this need to continue to be on? I thought we addressed this last month. I think we can take it off for now. I think it'll come back when we're doing our like audit because there are other aspects of the bylaws that actually don't reflect how we operate. So we okay. can take it off for now right. so that you don't have to keep of it. We'll take it off for it. So that the motion would be to take it off for a future date, to a future date, correct? Yep. 
Okay, so we'll amend the motion as such. <clears throat> and I think I'll Mike Longo motion yeah, I'll, and mostly. I'll amend it. Thank you. So Mike Luongo made the motion and Losa seconded. Yep, yes. Thank the you. amendment. So we're we're removing it from the agenda until All right. So all in favor roll call. Commissioner Sheffrey. Yes. Commissioner Janvier. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, item nine, new business. Um, resolution A, number resolution number 2020-062, recommendation of the executive director to grant a permanent and perpetual easement to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts through its Department of Conservation and Recreation on land known as 121 Riverside Ave as part of the Clippership Connector for use as a walkway and bike path. Move approval. Yeah, I'll second I'll that. Second. That's a great idea. All in favor, roll call. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Just have a quick question we could talk about later is liability. I'm presuming that was already discussed. Yes, we've discussed that with them. Okay. All right, new this business B resolution. Sorry? This still has this still has to go to um to HUD. It actually goes through the same office that we went through for the demo dispo of salt install. And um the SAC office has to review this and then they'll send it back to the um the Boston office for final approval. Okay. Uh, new business resolution number 2020-063, consideration of request by the executive director to approve the certificate of final completion and final payment to MDM Engineering Company, Inc. of Dudley, Massachusetts for the completion of MHA job number 1904, AMP-1 salt install, low slope roof replacements, in the amount of $22,001.00. I'll make a motion to approve. Second. All in favor, roll call. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Jim Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, new Business C, Resolution Number 2020-064, consideration of request by the Executive Director to approve the Certificate of Final Completion and Final Payment to Homer Contracting, Inc. of Arlington, Massachusetts for the completion of MHA Job Number 2003-6671, Walkland Court, Walkland Court Exterior Door Replacement in the amount of $10,590.10. I'll make a motion. I'll second it. All in favor, roll call. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. 
information at Young. Yes. Thank you. Uh, last item of new business, resolution number 2020-065, consideration of request by the executive director to approve a contract to J.C. How do you say Kenneth that? Kenestraro. Kenestraro. LLC of Watertown, Massachusetts, for MHA job number 2015, fire pump replacement at Amp 1 Tempone Apartment. The total amount of the contract is $62,500 and zero cents. Make a motion to approve. Second. All in favor, roll call vote. Commissioner Chevry. Yes. Commissioner Genvia. Yes. Commissioner Lewis. Yes. Commissioner Luongo. Yes. Commissioner Young. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, as we have no executive session, we don't need to vote on that. So now, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to all. We are take a motion for adjournment. <laughs> so moved. Hope everybody has a good holiday. It's going to be tough, but uh, let's make yeah. the best of it. Be safe. We need a roll call. Yes. We, we need a roll call, Madam Chair. Do, do, we, do we have the, like, meeting, the meeting schedule? Who made the motion? Young. Bill Any Young seconded? made it. Yeah. Losa. Yeah. Uh, Losa made it. Yeah. I seconded. All right. But do we have the next meet, the next meeting the schedule? Yes. Sorry? We do, we do not have the January meeting schedule. We do not have so the I think January we need to, meeting. We need to at least pick a date before we... Let's do an email around. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up because that was definitely not on the agenda and I forgot about that. So do we want to go with the third, third, what, Thursday in January and then pick the rest of our dates? Or does anybody have any conflicts with that? Wait, third one. That's fine. That's fine for me. Yeah. The 21st. The third? The third Thursday is the 21st. That'll be the 21st of January. 121 21. Sounds good. 121 21. We'll just throw on the agenda scheduling of future meetings, Barbara, if that's, if that's okay with you, Madam Chair. Yep, I, I, course, can do yeah. up a I can do up a draft, and then you all can um, check those dates and we can solidify them. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, okay. for bringing that up. I think we have Way to end the, uh, a year strong. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Barbara. Okay. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you.